love music, live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Jerry McCabe on Rock Sport Radio. Sorry, folks. I was uh, I was watching the Rangers game there. I was away for a wee nod. Welcome to the programme. Good to have you on this Thursday night. It's a Europa League night. Of course, Rangers are ready in action against young boys in Switzerland. Celtic up against Cluj later on. We'll look ahead to that game. Uh, we'll also talk about a financial crisis at Inverness Cali Thistle. And we'll find out where Morton have moved to as well. Uh, and uh, basically, we'll be talking throughout the programme about what's happening in the Europa League with our teams. Uh, don't forget, you can listen to us on DAB Digital Radio online at rocksportradio.co.uk via your smartphone and your smart speaker that's using the TuneIn and the Radiogram apps. And you can also uh, watch the programme live on Facebook, on Twitter and uh, Periscope. That's the one. You and I can't because I'm watching the Rangers game. You just sent me a message. I'm watching the Rangers game. If I do that, I'll miss the Rangers game. And there's no way that's going to happen. By the way, you'll see that we have another uh, guest in the, the programme tonight. Chris Doolan uh, from Air United is with us. He's going to be with us on a regular basis. And uh, it's good to welcome you back, Chris. Uh, last time you were here, we were talking about specific things. This time we're going to talk about general things in a more specific way, really. Uh, and Mr McCabe, birthday this week, Monday. No, it was actually last Thursday, Bill. Was it? Well, why yeah. did why did he tell me it was Monday? Well, I don't know who told you it was Monday. I never told you it was Monday. Collins told me. Pull that microphone closer right. to your own. I, I never told you it was Monday because I'm, I'm laid back here. Aye, uh, very laid back. Uh, so anyway, was it? did you have a good birthday? Yes, yes. Uh, and how old are uh, you now? 60-something. 64. 63. Six, no, you're no younger than me. 63, are No, you're, you're older than me. 26th of the 9th, 56. Count it up. God, dear God. What do you mean I'm a lot younger than you? <laughs> <laughs> you're fitter than me. That doesn't mean you're younger than me. I'm younger than you, boy. I mean, my grandpa's six, fitter six, than me and he's been dead for 25 well, years. 63, boy. I'm not going to hate him. So you're just a few months younger than me then? Oh, uh, right. Because uh, it means it's July 4th. Yeah, I will. And I'm still younger than you, doesn't matter. Okay, all right. <laughs> Wish I'm brought up your birthday now. Yeah. Hope, it was, a, I hope, it, was up. A, hope <laughs> it was a rotten one now. Yeah, I've come to think of it. The quiet one. Quiet. Yeah, good, yeah. good. F- surrounded by family and friends. Yes, yes of course. Which is probably why Burns and I weren't invited. Well, you you may have got an invitation, but you'd have wanted, <laughs> wanted him to come with you. you no, know, no, so, trust yeah. me. He's the last person I'd want with me. Shuggle no come into Hamill. I know. Shuggle Shuggle come into Hamill. Yeah. Not yeah. once upon a time he wasn't. He was quite well known. He was like uh, shell suit Bob in those days, if you recall. Yeah. So I you know. remember him walking about. <laughs> yeah. Dogs, this will be going back to a generation that you really don't want to yeah. know much about. I have no me. idea. Honestly, good generation. Yeah. The gener the generation where looking after yourself was you stopped at ten pints rather than going for the eleventh pint. <laughs> that kind of generation yeah. playing sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was going to ask you, do, do you ever actually kind of crave and hanker for just a blowout once in a while? I'm sure footballers <laughs> always do. But um, do you? Nah, no, I think you become used to just your lifestyle. <laughs> to me, it's you live Monday to Friday, training hard, and then ready for a Saturday. By the time the game's finished on Saturday, you're probably too tired to, to go out mm. and drinking now. But I think it, the days have changed now. What's yeah. your favourite yeah. food? Um, what do you like? What do you like as a meal? I mean, do you, a, a meat man, are you steak, lamb, yeah, pork, or yeah. are you a fish person, or what? 
I, I love fish, um, you know, and, and I love fish in terms of, you know, prawns and stuff. Well, I, I love I seafood. I, yeah, if I go out for dinner, I'll always on order yeah. seafood. Um, yeah, I'm the same. But at home, you know, I like steaks and loads and loads of meat. Mm. And, and did you do you kind of does the club tailor your diet or do you know club nutritionist or that or do you do it yourself? Um, at, at Thistle, we they used to the sports scientist and stuff was quite big on it. Um, at United, and you know we don't have that facility, right? Um, those kind of people, but you know at now you're expecting players to to take ownership of their own diets. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're at a certain age where you should know what, Jerry, what to drink. Jerry, what do you think? When you think the the difference in having these sports scientists is in terms of, you know, is it one that prolongs players' careers? Is it one that makes them gives them an extra edge? I mean, I listen to Dave Brailsford. Remember Dave Dave Brailsford from he used to be uh, head of the. Uh, Team Sky and the the cycling for the UK, and uh, he said yeah, yeah. that it was making small gains, one percent, and things here and there. Is that the kind of thing that sports science gives you guys? Yeah, well, that could be the difference now. But when we were, we didn't have all this when we played. No, but obviously. you've worked with them as a coach. yeah, yeah, as a coach, yeah. See if they stick to doing what they're good at. You know, obviously the, the body fats when they come in for the preseason, uh, yeah, for the preseason. And average to take in then, and it, it, it's the way the game is now. You know, it's, it's more demanding on. I'd say players are fitter now. I wouldn't say they're more ability in the game. Definitely wouldn't say that. Fight, but, but it's because fight. <laughs> no, I'm just no. Honestly, I, I'm being honest here. I, I just think there's a lot of athletes in the game now, and they do look after themselves. And we don't. We probably if we'd have had a, a time, we could have you know maybe benefited off it. It's the diets and everything else that goes with it. Whereas we, we never, it wasn't in our remit, it, was, it wasn't involved in Scottish football then. It was involved in a lot of football, but the sports science came in and I think they do look after the welfare of the players much better now. But as long as they stick to that, it's when they start telling players that they're not ready to train and they can't, you know, they have a, probably, some of them have a big saying, and the manager's here a wee bit, uh, I'd probably, you know, I think in these, you know, maybe. In, and then we cut ounces at a fear or somewhere. But no, it's funny you should say that because remember with Peter Grant on, mm-hmm. and Peter was telling us that when he was at the you know assistant to Alec McLeish yeah. for the national team, he was saying that they got instructions from various clubs that uh, players who would join the squad would have two days cool down. And they would have them and they wouldn't be able to train until Wednesday or something like that. And all these different other things came along with them. I mean, is it now becoming a wee bit the, the the tail wagging the dog, Chris. Yeah, I, I can see teams taking a lot of um, ownership over their players now. Um, you know, it's not a case that you're just handed to the national team and and they take over. I think clubs now seem to have an awful lot of say. Um, you know, I think I saw some. Was it Ryan Jack? Was yeah, training, was training for. 11k, and he, you know, Stephen Gerrard wasn't happy a couple of days after. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. An old firm game, so, and but it's just the way football is now. You know, science has has taken over football, um, and you know, knowledge is power now. I think in football, the the more knowledge the the sports scientist has, the the better you know the players can be. So there's very little body fat on players now. You know, and as I say, the probably the game's more demanding, more. Uh, well, I'm going to say physio, but it's more quicker now. And they do, and the top, every other players look after the sale. I, I mean, I was just reading something about Kieran Tierney the other day, uh, yesterday I think it was. He was told that not to join up with the Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Because they feel it's better for him to stay at his club and get his fitness up. Whereas 
If I was a Scotland manager and he's fit, he, he played last week, I wouldn't be too happy with that. You know, I would say, well, look, he's back playing his not games he's needing now. You know, get him involved. But they feel he's better. But the, the way they're looking at it is they've, they've got 25 million good reasons why he should yeah. stay at the club and get look, fitter. Like, I, I don't see, Bill, that's... They can say 25 million, oh, they, they paid that money for him. But at the end of the day, it's his national team, he's back playing. So why not give him more game time and go back? Uh, you know, he could get injured staying down at Arsenal. But they feel that their physio and their sports science are better, you know, equipped and more knowledgeable, probably, than they feel about the Scotland physios or sports scientists there. And they, they want to work with him. They say they know his body and what he needs to be doing. But for me... He's got to play football, and as I say, if I was Steve Clark, I wouldn't be too happy. The one thing it does do, Chris, is it prolongs players' ability to play a longer career at a better level. That is for sure. You just need to look at players, like, even like yourself, to be fair. Yeah. You know, it allows you to play at a good level for a longer period of time, all of this stuff. That is for sure. That is, you know, and I think that that's probably one of the, the key parts to it, that you know, it's a lot of the things that the scientists do around the clubs is injury prevention, you know, whether it's gym work, whether it's diet, nutrition, everything's based around keeping you on the pitch or getting you on the pitch. Um, and I think, you know, even look at Kenny Miller, for instance, you know, almost 40 years old, still getting about, still scoring goals. So, you know, it, it just shows you that if you look after yourself, you, you can play even longer now than anybody expects, um, especially looking back, yeah. you know, in Jerry's era, I'm sure players didn't keep going as long as, as almost 40. That wee rascal still plays. I played to him as far away enough, you know, but I did, when I say I looked after myself, but I, I wish, to be fair, if you asked the majority of players when we, when we played, if this was introduced to them then, probably at the time they would have been turning their nose up, well, wait a minute, we don't need this, but I think they would, I think they would have accepted <laughs> Don't need this, pass me my fish supper. <laughs> no, I was just, because there was more of a culture that, you know, you were out with the boys at the weekend after the games and everybody done it, well, most done it, but I think if it had been introduced then, would have finally accepted it and it would have been better for us I would have, if I actually trained harder when I got older I wish I'd have trained as hard when I was younger well, look at Dobbs where Dobbs only says I wish I knew then what I know now Dobbs is a prime example you know and that's, that's a great example he, he, I mean he, he told us I, I wish I'd trained harder and worked harder when I was younger because it's more, it is more hard work now but I know I've got to do it well we had him at Hibs and great talent, you know, and you can see that goal scorer, great on the ball, comes alive round about the box. But Dobbs' own admission, when he was away from the ground, you don't know what he was eating, and it was just one of those. He wasn't sort of probably carrying a wee bit excess weight, as like a lot of players done. Whereas now you see very little weight on the players. You know, the, uh, as I say, the body fat mm. is probably way down in its low, so maybe seven or eight. Yeah. So I don't know, Chris. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what you are, but you know, probably your uh, body weight is very low. But at the same time, as I don't know, could we afford at the time? We, we, uh, I don't think there was a knowledge to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly, there wasn't the knowledge. That's, that's it wasn't the big thing. With a lot of things. No, the, but the, the, the knowledge wasn't there. It wasn't. And the other thing was as well, you know, back in those days, although players were play, pay, played well against Joe Public by comparison, the fees to buy players, you know, the players are assets now. Yeah. They actually now show on a balance sheet on an amortised basis. Yep. So, you know, from that point of view, the, the whole concept of, of football management has changed completely. 
It's not to say we didn't have a lot of fit boys. A lot of fit boys played at the time. One particular, Jimmy Weir, when Jimmy was at Hamilton Jimmy was a machine, you know, running just... And he was sort of a very lean. But we had a few players that were very fit, mm. but a lot of the players felt they get away with a building alone. You know, that they could get away and they get through games. Whereas, I've always said, if I didn't regret, I just wish I'd have been somebody to push me harder and working in fitness. I know they say you will look after your own fitness, but if you're in a group and somebody's coming in and harping on it, you like they probably have now and your fitness coaches and that, it'd have probably been more, well, it would have been beneficial to you. Mm. And we would have, you know, accepted it. We would have probably just said, well, look, because once you're feeling fit and you're feeling good, there's nothing better. And I always say is that players get their confidence for their fitness. If they're fit, Guys want the ball, they want to be on the ball, they want to be involved in the game. Mm. When you feel you're struggling, your fitness is not up to there, I think you players will tend to hide a wee bit. All right, listen, while we're talking about football and we're talking about the business side of it, let's uh, move up to Inverness, speak to Andy Skinner, sports reporter from the Press and Journal, uh, about a, a situation they've got up at Inver uh, Inverness, which is actually quite a strange one. Andy, this is a strange one. Thanks for coming on with us tonight, but this is quite strange. In as much as uh, Inverness are asking shareholders to dig deep to keep the, the, the club from going into administration, but the irony is that the club is actually debt-free. Good evening, guys. How's it going? Good. Um, yeah, um, the club have clearly foreseen that, um, you know, with the amount of money they're, they're currently losing as a result of being in the, the second tier, that they, they need to change the... Um, you know the whole setup behind the scenes, and um, they, they need investment. Um, but the, um, I, I think the, the, you know, the, the loss of money has, has come about, you know, just through a combination of, of factors. Um, you know, eight hundred thousand or so in the first season after after relegation. Um, you know, they they don't get particularly big crowds at Inverness. Um, you, know, you know, they've they've got a. Uh, you know, a decent youth set up there, which um, uh, you know they're, they're obviously still trying their best to to keep going. But um, you know, they've they've come to a point, I think now, where they realise that something either has to give, um, uh, uh, otherwise they they need to find you know fresh investment to to come in. Um, otherwise, the uh, you know the consequences could be pretty bleak. Well, I was going to say to you, I mean, is this really is the word crisis a word that would be would be too great to use, or are we really facing a, a crisis? Are Inverness facing a crisis? It's it's really difficult to say at this stage before tonight, TGM. Um, to be honest, I mean the club are making some pretty, you know confident noises about, you know, the prospects of securing investment. Um, Scott Gardner, who's um, in place as the, the chief executive at Inverness, is, uh, he's been in the role since March, and in recent weeks he's been, you know, conducting a, a series of meetings. Um, you know, there is talk of, you know, there being plenty of interest in the, in the club. Um, you know, he, he, Gardner himself has made reference to the fact that the, the club now own their, their stadium. They, mm -hmm. they, they previously didn't. They, um, you know, rented it from Tullock Homes, um, but they've, they've got control of that now. Um, and the, you know, in his words, you know, the balance sheet is is okay in terms of where it can move forward. It's just the, the amount of money that they're losing with the uh, the way things are currently. Um, you know, necessitates a, a change down. You know, quite quite soon. Um, you know, they've, they've clearly felt the need to act now. Um, 
otherwise it you know it could become really very problematic um you know unless they they act on it now one of my pundits tonight is, is Chris Doolan. Chris, you obviously know what it's like to go from the upper tier to the, the second tier, I mean, at Thistle. Did you see major change happening then? Um, and was, Because obviously when Thistle went down, there was much made of the comment, we will maintain a premiership budget. And I've got to be honest, I for one just battered them with that all season, simply because you don't let people go... Um, and there was lots of them and we had a few on here and they were all very willing to explain what had happened and I won't retread it but obviously Thistle did take the bull by the horns if in a, a kind of unsophisticated way Yeah, and you know, I, I can totally understand uh, Is that playing up that thing? Is it flying all over the joint? Uh, a wee bit. Ah, <laughs> we'll, sort it, we'll sort it in the break um, I think I can totally understand what Andy's talking about You know, when you come out of the Premiership it, it's massive, it's, it's a huge impact on the club, you know, even just the feeling around the club, if it takes that hit, but the financial thing um, can be drastic, and you know, you look at figures, £800,000, you know, that, that's an awful lot of money to Inverness, um, and you see just the consequences of it, you know, you, you're almost, you're now begging shareholders for money, they probably didn't expect that at all, mm-hmm. um, but it, it shows, you know, going the opposite way, going for the, pre- for the championship, up to the premiership, it shows just how desperate teams are, Dundee United for instance, you know, throwing money at it, desperate to get up because the financial rewards when you get up are, are huge um, and then it's about staying there uh, as long as you possibly can. Andy, one of the things I was going to ask you before I bring Jerry McCabe in as well Jerry's got lots of experience at various levels obviously within the Scottish game but I was going to ask you, uh, it's all very well asking them to put their hand in their pocket to support the team but how severe will the 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 restructuring, let's put it of the club have to be to make that value for money? Uh, well, it's it's going to be pretty severe because I mean they've only got um, you know a, a, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're you're aware that their, their chairman um, stepped down last week. Yeah, uh, he was part of a consortium that had put uh, you know a, a fair bit of money behind the, the club over recent years, um, and that consortium is now you know uh, not prepared to do that anymore. So you know anyone that comes in now will likely have a you know a pretty hefty say on, on how things go um, you know it, it could be seen as a, a good opportunity but you know as you say it's, it's difficult to know where you get the return on on the investment and I think that's where you know businessmen that, that do invest in football need to, to really be applauded because an, an awful lot of the time they, they're not going to get a, a return on it but um, uh, you know the Inverness have only got two directors currently sitting on, on the board um, so I think they're envisaging you know a, a fair changeover as a result of, um, of of the EGM tonight but um, uh, you know it's difficult to really know exactly where it's where it's going to go after this uh, it's it's quite a defining kind of stage in, in, in the club's journey Jerry you've you've worked up and down the leagues uh, for clubs that have had money clubs that haven't had money clubs that have had money that have decided they weren't going to spend any yeah. um, you know so you're, you're used to this kind of scenario what kind of pressure does it put on the the, the playing staff of course, it puts a lot of uh, pressure on the manager because if his budget's cut, you know, and he's trying, he's ambitious. He wants to get his team into the, you know, they're saying Andy was saying about uh, the second tier is no good to them, but they're not generating finances through through the gates. So they need somebody, maybe I don't know, 
thank you for saying this, but they need a Roy McGregor, sort of a type of guy, a mm-hmm. guy who's a fan, who yeah. loves the club, who is willing to back them. Because he's right, a lot of these businessmen will not get returns for their money. So you've got to have a love for the club, uh, is the first thing. And it's great, you know, if you've got somebody... Uh, the is it boy weird now? It's a uh, uh, Partick Thistle. Somebody who's won. Don't think he's in there now. He's no, is he back in? Well, he was talking about it. He was talking. Yeah, about he was, it he was trying to get back in. Yeah. But I, I, I've heard that that doesn't look very likely. Uh, I may be wrong, but it, it, I'm told it doesn't look very likely. But Thistle's still in a good degree of turmoil, Chris. Yeah, yeah. and you know, just picking off of Jerry, the, the man Andy was saying there, there's only two directors. You, you probably need I don't know how many half a dozen yeah good yeah. Bu- good real yeah. businessmen at, at the helm of your, your club if and that's you know looking back at Partick Thistle that's what they've got now mm-hmm. well, David Beatty's came back um, and he's brought all sorts of big businessmen to the club and you know I, I would imagine you'll see an awful lot of change around the club because of their back um, <laughs> because you know they run the place like a business yeah because that's what football is now See, mm. the, the impact is going to have now, you know, and this is a time to back John Robertson because they're, they're doing well on the part, Andy, uh, and they're getting results. Yeah, and you do good. you do want to be in the top league because when you got all the attention and where your players are looked at, and, you know, and obviously Inverness would be, they would like to be selling one or two players every season as much as, you know, you it's, you want the, the manager there trying to build a team. But that's the way it is. Every club in Scotland is a selling club. And uh, it's... And now we Robbo, the way the job he's doing, and it would it would be an impact on them because finances, and if they dry up a wee bit, you know, and try to attract the better players up there, the better quality players. I know we, when Jim McIntyre was at Ross County, you know, and I feel uh, he was telling us, you know, to attract the better quality player, they had to maybe push the boat out a wee bit and give better wages and things like that. But if you've not got that money coming in, and they're not going to put the, tr- the the club in any more trouble. You they say they're losing eight hundred thousand a year. I mean that's you know just ridiculous. You know for a club like Inverness, but uh, whether you know they can get somebody to come in and generate the finances again. But as Chris was just saying there, yeah, this, you can't only put it down to one or two directors. I think there's going to be more and more directors involved. More. I, I don't know how they're it's going to generate a business plan there. Isn't it? Yeah. You can't rely on one person to. <laughs> I don't you know, know how they're going to generate the finances. But you know, guys, one of the problems that you've got, and Andy, you've kind of touched on this indirectly, is the fact that it's got to be you've got to be a Premiership team for the the figures to add up. If you're a team like Inverness or Ross County, and maybe even teams like Hamilton, although I think Hamilton have got a contingency that. They don't really change their budgets that much, so it's it's good for the Premiership. It's good for the Championship. It's a good working model, the the Aki's model. But you've got to invest to get to the, the the Premiership these days. And if you've not got the money, or you can't recoup the money from people coming in, Andy, it's a cleft stick, isn't it? Really? Yeah. No. It's it's a really difficult scenario because you know, as as, as you're all saying, you know the. Um, you know the promised land of the Premiership's a massive uh, carrot, and you know that that has the potential to to stabilise just everything on and off the park. But uh, you know that that's where John Robertson has done superbly to keep um, you know Cali Thistle kind of competing at the you know the top end of the, the table throughout his time, especially having you know taken the job on at a time when um, you, you know Chris touched on the, the the sort of hangover effect that relegation has and. You know that could be felt throughout the whole club, um, and, and certainly in terms of the, you know, the wage budget that Inverness spent. Actually, the season they, they were relegated was was actually the 
the biggest that they've ever um, in, invested in the in the playing budget. So for them to be relegated meant that you know John had to to kind of cut back on the um, the, the, the playing budget pretty much from from day one after coming in. And, uh, having had to do that, you know, three summers on the trot now, given that the, the parachute payment has, um, you know, now kind of run out. You know, they're in their third yeah. season in the, the yeah. championship yeah. now. Um, you know, he's he's kept a, a really competitive competitive team on on the park, which, you know, if it was to succeed in, in um, you know, going up at the third attempt, then, you know, that that would be the, you know, the I suppose the incentive for anybody that's looking to. To put their investment into the club, um, you know, to have that that carrot to, to sort of aim for, um, and you know, given the way that you know John's got the, the team playing just now, you know, you'd have to think that there's a a, a decent chance of that. Uh, Chris might have a, a, one or two ideas about that uh, over the, the course of the season. Well, I mean, I mean, that's that's something that we'll talk to Chris about in just a wee minute. But Jerry, you brought up the illustrious Mister McGregor, and Roy's put a load of money, yeah. his own money, into the club. It's a great facility. Um, it's well run. Um, I'm just wondering how much pressure that puts on Inverness because, of course, you know, when you were at Dundee uh, and Dundee United, the, the, the kind of stress between them and such, like, you know what it's like. If if your biggest rivals are in the top league and you're in the next tier down, yeah. that doesn't help your gates because your fans are kind of disgruntled at that. That's a, a, a bit of a... A kick in the, the gazots yeah. as well. Well, we dispel, obviously, when we were at Dundee and with the financial backing of the American owners. Now the American owners have come in to uh, compete with Dundee United. Yeah, well, and Dundee spending United. money like it's going out of fashion. And it's spending money, and that's what I mean. I must admit, the American owners, when we were at Dundee, backed us all the way. And unfortunately, they're down in the championship now, but you can see the money Dundee United are spending. You know what they're saying to try and get their sale back up. And I think it was Chris was saying, they're, they're throwing money at it. But Andy, I don't think Inverness, you know, they don't want to get into the scenario where they could lose their manager because if they feel, you know, John's ambitious, you know, and he, he want to take the team as far as he can go and as high as he can go. But, you know, he'll be sought after, you know, the way he's been doing his job at Inverness. And if they lose that, uh, if they lose, you know, John, which I hope it doesn't happen, but I think he's been a big attraction for players to come to Inverness. And that, that's the problem you're going to have now if he's not getting out back in and he can't bring in the quality players that he's looking to try and build, try and strengthen the team and enhance his squad, then it becomes a, a problem for the manager because you're, you're sitting there saying, well, what am I doing? Am I, uh, I fighting a losing battle here? But So hopefully that's not the case, but that could well be the scenario if the finances dry up and the manager feels he, he's, he's took the, the club as far as he could take them. Absolutely. In, in, in terms of, uh, you know, the... You know the the difficulties which you pointed out um, about you know Jim McIntyre when he was in charge at, at Ross County, um, you know, and attracting players to to the, the Highlands when you know they're they're based in the Central Belt is, you know, really it's a difficult one when when there isn't that financial carrot perhaps. Yeah. Um, but you know, John's done a, a really good job in, in selling the the club to, um, particularly players. And this goes back to his first spell in charge actually all, all the years ago when he when he did get them promoted. Um, players that have maybe lost their way a little bit, that have um, you know had a wee setback at, at other clubs. Um, you know, there's there's a few examples of that in the, the Inverness team just now, um, and you know the team that he's got on the park just now, um, you know, is uh, you know evidence of of you know players maybe um, 
you know, kind of finding their their way again. Um, the one that he, he references quite a lot is called Donaldson, who, who left the United, and yeah. um, you know he had a really tough time of it there. But you know he's been a revelation since he he came to Inverness. He was one of John's first signings. Um, you know there there are a few examples of of guys like that. Um, he's he's made it a good kind of platform for for players to. To kind of find their their feet again. So I think it's credit to John. You know, when players want to come and play for the manager, and you can, I know players have come and gone, and they went to other clubs and they're not really, you know, uh, hit off at these clubs. But sometimes you feel when you go back to the club, and people say sometimes you're better not going back to the club. But if you've got a manager you trust and you you really believe in and you want to work for, then you be, you can become a different player. And probably that's what John is doing with, with a few of the players, as you say, as the boy, the Com Donison, in it. That was the boy who was at Liverpool yeah. and went down south. Yeah, uh, you know, is and that's what John's looking for. You know, and if John can attract his players, as I said earlier, it's probably he is a big attraction for a lot of the players. And as I say, you would that's the last man you would probably want to lose right now is John Robertson. I'm, I'm not suggesting that would happen, but right now he'll be looking to. You know, financially backed as well to make that push to try and get back into the Premier League. You're saying that you don't think it'll happen, but a lot of Hearts fans have been disgruntled well, with Craig, it Craig uh, yeah. Levine, yeah. Uh, and Robbo's been associated with that job. Should Craig Levine either leave the club or move back upstairs? So you just don't know with these things. Just going back to the Ross County situation, Andy, how much has that kind of if you like, brought this forward and, and brought this to a head? Because I know it's difficult when you're up there in the Highlands and there's, what, 12 miles between you both and they're back in the Premiership and pulling Rangers and Celtic and Hibs and Hearts and Aberdeen, um, you know, and, and that I say that not because of the teams as, as such, but because of the revenue they bring with them. Um, how much has that kind of brought this to a head, if at all? Yeah, I think it's the um, the away crowds that um, is a massive um, you know loss for for Inverness. I think I've, I've heard it mentioned um, that it's about you know thirty thousand fans um, per season that they, they miss out on in being in the championship. So when you you know add up the, the cost of a ticket, you know that's uh, that's a huge amount of money that they've they've suffered from from losing. Um, they've also got the, the television revenues that they're they're not um, you know part of as well. Um, so it's it's really a combination of factors, um, but that that's a that's a crucial one. You know, when you, you consider the scale of the clubs that they're um, that that they were used to having, kind of in in the away end, um, you know, they they don't really get that mm. as, as much anymore. There's, you know, there's there's some teams that that bring a a good support. Thistle were really well backed um, at the weekend on, on on Saturday there for Ian McCall's first league game in charge. Um, but uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, they they, they certainly miss out on the, you know, the, the revenue that, um, you, you know, Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen's another big one, you know, with it being quite local, um, uh, as well as, you know, the, the Highland Derby itself, actually. That, yeah. that was one that kind of softened the blow a little bit last season, because mm-hmm. they, they had the Highland Derbies back, um, and the, the crowds for them were quite good. But um, aside from that, you know, they're, you know, they're getting not much more than 2,000 uh, through the through the turnstiles each week. But, Chris, uh, a different scenario at Thistle when you were there, obviously, but but the Jags did suffer, or do suffer, because they're in Glasgow and you've got the old firm in Glasgow and then there's other teams surrounding the area. Um, and you were getting decent crowds anyway, but 
again, those away fans from the bigger clubs, vital to even a club like Partick. Yeah, massive. You know, and the year we made the top six, um, the, the crowds were incredible. I mean, for the, for the last five games, I think the stadium was sold out in all five games, simply mm-hmm. because Thistle had a good crowd, then we were doing well. But the away crowds, Aberdeen, you know, the old firm, we, we landed like, great fixtures, we landed a lot of home games, which was great. And it, you, you think, you know... Look at the stadium, it's, it's full, it's jumping, it's brilliant, but this is what these big clubs can bring. Um, so I can totally understand, you know, if you fall out of that league, and, but you don't only just lose fans, you're talking about losing TV money. Yeah. There's loads of different income streams that just disappear, yeah. pretty much completely. Andy, just just another point about about being in Inverness, and, and I think it's a valid point, It's it's a fairly... These days, Inverness is a fairly transient population in as much as there's a lot of people from various places that live there and some of them only for maybe three or four years connected with work and then move away or or people who have come to the area and settled but not necessarily grown up with a tradition of supporting Inverness Cali Thistle, which makes it even more difficult, surely. Yeah, um, I mean, mean, obviously it's well documented the the merger that the club went through um, you know, a number of years ago now, which, you know, made things difficult from the, the start. But, um, you know, that was a long time ago. That was a, a generation ago. Um, but some fans I have still never are. forgiven and forgotten on that one. No, that's true, yeah. Um, but you'd like to think with the success that the club had, you know, not really that long ago, you know, when they won the Scottish Cup, that, um, you know, there would be a, you know, a, a new generation kind of waiting there to, to kind of back the club, Um it's. Um, I mean, it's. It's maybe one that you know time will tell. They are. They are only 25 years old this year. Um, so I mean, they are still trying to to grow a support. Maybe and um, I guess they they achieved an awful lot in a short space of time. They, um, you know, they were promoted to the, the top flight within 10 years of their existence, which um, you know was a uh, you know a remarkable achievement, uh, all things considered. But. Um, yeah, I mean, they, there is a feeling that they maybe don't have the, you know, the, the city kind of united behind them. Um, you know, there's a big kind of old firm support up here, and um, you know the the crowds that they're getting just now, um, you know, certainly don't um, don't don't add up to to kind of what they they really need. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not in the in the championship anyway. Yeah. All right, listen, Andy, I hope it goes well. We might talk to you again uh, just to see how it all goes and, and what the, the general mood is up there in the Highland capital um, with regards to this. We wish uh, Inverness Cali Thistle well, obviously. Thanks for talking to us about it tonight. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Cheers, no Andy. Andy Skinner there, sports reporter from the Press and Journal, talking to us tonight about that uh, situation at Inverness Cali Thistle. Uh, guys, it's, I've got to say, I don't think this is the last time we'll cover a story like this because I think more and more now clubs are being tested uh, and, and put under pressure. I mean, not being funny, but you've, you're very lucky in a lot of ways because of your chairman at Air and how committed he is to the club. But I think if it, he could pass it on to the right hands, he would. But that's the gamble. You don't know what the right hands are, as, Dills, to be know, honest. And the, the main thing, like I said, is you've got to have a board of directors there with the, the skill set to, to run the, the, the club as a business. You know, it's it's no longer now football's a, a hobby, and, and people just you know retire and, and take over a football. It's not like that anymore. You know, there's too much money at stake. There's there's people's careers, and I think it's becoming more and more apparent that you know boards are, are full of big businessmen, 
with great ideas, with other income streams that they can bring to the club. So, um, you know, looking at Inverness, saying they've got two directors, that could be a problem. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things they'll probably have to look at um, is to try and get some more people on that board. Jerry, is it catch-22? Is it because football has become more of a business and it's become quite expensive by comparison in some instances that we don't see bigger crowds because people just can't afford it sometimes to go to football matches? Yeah, that... Mm. The way TV dominates football says all of us who never pay for a ticket. <laughs> no, but, but TV dominates football as well. You know, we keep saying the championship is one of the most competitive leagues, and it is. But I'm just looking at the league table. There's about eight teams in there. When the season kicks off, they would fancy the sale to push for promotion to get into the SPL. No disrespect to maybe Arlo or Broth, who probably their remit is to stay in that league. Yeah, yeah. But you, you know, you've got eight teams. I'm looking at teams who've been there. You know, up in the Dunfermline when we were there. Yeah, we go into the SPL. You know, obviously party and uh, Morton, who I think in a big club aired as Chris is with up there, challenged Dundee United, big club Dundee. You know their remit it was to, it'll be to try and get back into the SPL, and it's they've got the fan uh, base as well. You've got the fan yeah, base, yeah, yeah and, and stuff. Well, they're, well they're definitely big clubs, but they are big clubs. I think that's right. a I think that's a really good point. And the thing about I said about Inverness, if you if you look at it, a fair proportion of the the the, the uh, population in Inverness is actually not anywhere from near Inverness. Yeah. Uh, they've moved there, therefore there is no emotional tie yeah. to the club. Yeah, it's uh, it's a difficult one. But, you know they've had success. You saying they won the Scottish Cup not so long ago there. And I mean, they've got a right, like everybody, like every other club here, to you know try and push to be in that. They want to be in the top league. It's all right saying those they only maybe bring two thousand fans. How they haven't got a great support, you know, but they've done well when they get in there. They know what it's all about in there, and it's the league to be in. Uh, the thing is, what he's got is the problem that they're going to have is who's going to invest the money, who's going to come up with the big money, and just say, well. They say they're not going to get the money back in them. Uh, yeah. who's, who's willing to put a couple of hundred thousand? That's why you know, I think they need more than just two. That yeah, yeah, you yeah, do. You need you need more yeah. than that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I'm I'm, I'm talking about each director. Who yeah, to, yeah. No, you're right. Other business businessman comes in saying, "Wait, I can put a couple of hundred thousand. I can put a couple of hundred thousand. But these guys know that they're writing that off because mm-hmm. that's that's the way it is. And they're saying it's not as if they're going to be in Champions League and generate money. From that, it's it's where Inverness are, but it, it'd be sad if that was the case because I think John Robertson's doing a great job, and they're a good club, well-run club. But it shows you what great a job he has done. Yeah, <laughs> his hands are almost been tied at times. Yeah, and people maybe don't see that now. They're finding out all these figures. I'm sure up to this point they had an idea, but maybe didn't realise just to what extent it was. It was so hard. For it's them. a stack of money, though, isn't it? That they're looking for, and 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 you know when you look at. <laughs> The only thing that you can possibly save money on at Inverness or you can make some kind of saving on is playing staff. And if you save on playing staff, because you're never going to get more people through the door, marginally, if you get to the Premiership, and then you've got the the away crowds coming, which is what keeps those clubs afloat. If they stay in the the Championship again, you're in a situation where you're not going to have that many more bodies through. So the money you put into the club, it's just going to be sucked back out again. Because... The only, and the only other way you can you can save money is to cut wage bills. Cut wage bills, are you cutting your chances then of getting yeah. back up to the Premiership? No, I, I remember I'd done the radio way with John Robertson at the end of last season and um, he, he spoke about attracting players you know, and how difficult it was to, to attract these players um, simply because he, he was telling us how 
he was trying to attract young players. He did. He didn't want guys who were had families, had houses because they just couldn't offer the money yeah. to, to up sticks and move to Inverness. Whereas Ross County can do that. Yeah, they can move families. Inverness just couldn't afford to do that. Rangers one up against uh, young boys. Morellis scoring another one. That's put a few more knots behind him. You'll be glad to know, Mister McCabe. I watched it. Has yeah. a few more he, knots behind that do, boy he now. Well, he does well. The big defenders makes a crazy decision to try and nick the ball in front of him. Morellis just uses his body. He's good. He uses at that. it well. He's done it great. He, but he's good at that, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's done, very good at that. He's done great. But the defender looks. You know, I'm not taking none away from Morellis. Any composure, himself. Great finish. To be fair, I fancied him when he was through there. He gives a In goal, fact, he it comes off the defender. He gives the goalkeeper his eyes. I don't know if he does. Does he not give the goalkeeper the eyes here? What do you think, Chris? I think he's looking. I think he's looking to put it in the far the corner. Then. Nah, and then he puts it in the other corner. Good, good. I mean, to be fair, I've been watching it, guys. I know you have, as we've been talking to, to he's Andy. through again there. Uh, you know, oh, he wasn't there. Was Ojo. Ojo. We've got a, a, a situation where it's been kind of end-to-end stuff. It's been a fairly yeah. even game, yeah. hasn't it? Yep. Uh, Rangers have looked good, but this team, you know, this game's far from over. They're getting a bit of joy running in behind the centre-backs here. Yeah, they are. A couple of times, Morelis has been in as well. We had a boy, Alec Robinson, was on last night talking to us, who's who works for, I think it's Football Radar, uh, and he specialises in Swiss football, and he was saying that the centre-backs could be got at. Uh, and I think that was a pretty good example, to yep. be honest with you, because the big boy was... In actual fact, Morellis had gone forward over the ball and it came off the boy's knee and knocked it back in his path again. Yeah, because he was stumbling a bit. But there again, just two minutes later, Ojo was in, I think. Can you, can you square the square there to Morellis? Uh, I think when he gets in the box, he's always shooting there. Yeah, Morellis is a couple uh, of yards behind him. Yeah. Uh, whether he's making that ground up in time, I, I don't know. But yeah, I think one thing you see is just how high... <laughs> the, the I know, they, you know, if they've got the pace of Morelos I don't know if you should play so high I think that's maybe why they're getting, you know, that is, they're getting a bit of joy when they get in behind them and yeah, you're right they're getting a bit of space in behind them listen we were talking last night I was saying to Alec Robinson and we were saying you know what did the Swiss know about Rangers and he said well, it's not so much Rangers they know about Steven Gerrard and their coach had made much of the fact that Steven Gerrard's European experience was going to stand Rangers in good stead how much of a contribution is that experience, do you think, to this current Rangers team? Bearing in mind, Jerry, that they've qualified now to the group stages yeah. through four qualifiers, two seasons and a trot, which is the only British club who have done that in the last two seasons in the Europa League. I think you've been a big influence. Obviously, the, the experience that Gerrard's had with Liverpool won in the Champions League. Uh, you know, he, he'll be in the players' ears. He'll be talking to the players, not just collectively, but individually and saying this is what we need to do well in Europe. And right now he's doing the job, and they're listening, they must be listening to him because, you know, they look at a different team from where they were, they, where they were a couple of years ago. And, and I think Gerard's influence, you know, just not just in domestic, but in the European campaign, I think it's paying off for them. Dolph, how good is Morales in your view? I, I think it just keeps getting better, you know, and um, he, every year he'll always score goals, and I think that's the... That's the main thing about him, but I think you know he's, t- he's calming his temper. He- he's now maturing as a player, and he's he's learning other things in the game. It's not just about scoring goals. And I think you know you see Jermaine Defoe as well. The age of Jermaine Defoe, how how long he's yeah. his career. We're talking about prolonging your career. He's playing at top level for however long. Um, if Morelos can almost copy what Jermaine Defoe does, 
I mean, the guy could score an, an awful lot of goals. For we, we were actually talking about that, weren't we, Jerry, yeah. earlier on in the week? And we've all come to the conclusion that Stephen Gerrard said to Jermaine Defoe at some point, listen, I'm getting nowhere with the boy in terms of trying to calm him down. Can you, you know, start to take him under your wing? And, and we're absolutely convinced that's happened. On a number of fronts, Morelis scores a couple of weeks ago, first person he runs to is Jermaine Defoe when Defoe was tra- uh, warming up at the side of the park. And when Defoe came on the other week and scored the goal, Morelis is sitting in the dugout beaming and, and clapping. So there's obviously a relationship there. It is invaluable for, for young players like Morelis to be showing exactly the right path to take, isn't it, by players like Defoe? Yeah, I think it's so important. Um, and I think at this stage in his career, Morelos, it's vital almost that, that there's somebody there who's a, a proper professional you know, and a, and a total role model to almost guide Morelos. Um, but like I said, Jermaine Defoe, everybody would love to play alongside him. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine that Morelos is thoroughly enjoying learning off him because there's no other better well, striker at Rangers to learn from. I think, Chris, first and foremost, he was brought to Ibrox, you know, for his ability, his goal scoring, but also his professionalism. And to talk to these players in the dressing room, you mm. know, he's done it, he's played at the highest level. And I think it's been a great signing for Rangers. The other thing is, if Morelis hadn't changed his ways, Morelis wouldn't be in the team right now, Bill. He might not even be at Ibrox right now if he hadn't changed his ways because there's only two ways it was going to go. Either knuckle down and show us what you've got and prove that you're how good a player you are or you can go. OK, they'd have been probably looking for money for it, but he wouldn't have been in the team if he hadn't changed his ways. And you can see the benefit. Now he's concentrating more on the football than rather getting involved in the stupid stuff. And, you know, and it's benefit Rangers. It's benefit him. And Rangers, you know, he's back in the national team, uh, national squad. And it's only as it is. The penny's got to drop, and it has dropped. Well, right now it has. It looks as if it has dropped with them. Listen, there's nothing in common with the style of play between both of them, but the common element is they both score goals. Who's better? Or, you know, what's your views on Edward against Morelis? I know what yours will be, McCabe, but never mind. Um, as an all-round player, I think, <laughs> I think Edward's great ability. I don't think he's an out-and-out, you know, 20, 25 goals a season. I don't know. But he contributes, I think he's good at, you know, turning and running at people. Okay, and yeah, and he, he's very composed finisher. If you ask me, you know, who would be worth more in the next season or two, I would still say Edward because he's French under-21 national. And you look at what happened to Moussa Dumbelli, and they're all saying that Morelis was up there. Now bigger clubs are looking at Moussa Dumbelli because of where he's came from. Uh, no, he's his quality as well. Yeah, but to be fair, Rangers have not been at that look, level, look, and I would be the first to admit that Rangers Marellis have not been scoring. at that level. See, Marellis keeps scoring. Right. A lot of people's head will be, you know, bigger clubs will come in and have a look at him. You know, he will attract interest from bigger clubs if they can see that he's controlled his, uh, you know, his misdemeanours the way he was carrying on earlier you know, last season. Then he will attract bigger clubs. I'm not right now. I'm just saying, I think Edward is. It, he could be a right top player, right to the very top. Ooh, I don't know if Morelis on can. Your face, Lou. Uh, he's smirk on it. Well, you know the song they were singing at one of the Edwards, so I don't know if you sing him when you leave here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Dills, let's get let's, uh, a common sense and partial view from a. Uh, 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 I'll, give you, I'll give you more stuff. Yeah, I know. Aye, aye. Okay. okay. I, I would agree. Rangers haven't been at that level yet. And I think when they, if they get to that and when they get to that level, then it's easy to make a comparison between the two of them. It's difficult because they're not similar players or style yep. players anyway. Yeah, and I, and of course, you know, and like I've said, Morelos seems to be learning 
very quickly all, all the other parts of the game and he's putting it all together now um, and I mean he's the main man at Rangers if you took him out the Rangers team it would have to be Jermaine Defoe now mm. um, but he is the main man and I think that's what Gerard wants and Gerard I, probably loves him I got absolutely hammered on social media when Morelis first came to Rangers because I thought he had a terrible first touch I thought the ball just bounced off him and he chased it but I've seen him tonight and I've seen him grow over the last couple of seasons but tonight his first put touch has been fantastic he, he, he took the ball and then changed the direction out to Ojo and it was a, a 30 yard pass Absolutely outstanding. Very, very good indeed. So the boy is learning. Yeah, of course he is. But, he might score more goals. But training. to be fair, there was plenty of room for him to learn, wasn't there, really? Well, as I said, you know, if he hadn't changed his ways, and, you know, Jared seen, Jared said he loved to work with this guy. You know, he knew what he was all about, but he just had a temperament, you know, a very temperamental, you know, uh, player, and that, that's, that's what he is. But so, it, it could be safe. It, it totally done away with his, his temperament. You lose a wee bit of Yeah, you do, you, you do. So I, I think you, just yeah. taming it down a wee bit is enough to, to me. He's not good to Stephen Gerrard at Rangers sitting in the stand. No, he's not, right. and I said right. that. Right, and that's the way it is. Going back to him and Edward, I would just say he might score more goals than Edward. I just think Edward's got more his game taking on, man, and clever. Uh, look, would you ever, would you, would you have a two in your team? Yes, you would. Yeah, that's the way, you know, but... If you could kind of take the strengths of both of them and meld them, you'd yeah, be laughing. Oh, yeah, you some strength force there. You I, would. But I still think Edward's more, you know, off the game and running at people there. Yeah, we've got the uh, message now. Well, I think Morelis is more in about the box and scoring goals. <laughs> Do you know, I think one thing that they both have is age on their side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's a boys. really good point. They're both boys. Young, yeah, young, but they're both playing at the top level. They're scoring goals. They're playing in great teams. But they've got age on their side, so yeah. they can only the two of them can only we'll get there. We'll he, de get there. he definitely did give the goalie the eye. <laughs> he <laughs> definitely <laughs> did. I've just watched like. it back. No, I just I never saw it properly the first time. Well, that's the difference is. We I'm saw starting it. We to saw think. First time. I'm starting to think when you first joined us, when you kind of sat there and didn't he say that much was better than it is now. You've oh, become you you've you've become a clone of Hugh Burns. No chance. You can, yeah, you can compare me a lot of people. Don't compare me with Hugh Burns. Please don't. I, I just when I saw it at first, I just seen the way he opened his body up as if he was going to take it in the far corner, put it in the far corner. No, I definitely. He de he, you're right, KB. He definitely gives him the eye. Certainly yeah. does. Chris will know but you know, see, see the way he's, he's good at that, isn't he? Though these these runs off the runs off the shoulder. Aye, yeah. just and he times them to perfection most of the time. He really does. And it's even better when you get players that can time that see the pass. You know, yeah, but, I, but run, unlike run, then, the run triggers a pass. So if, yeah. you know, if you see guys running. You know, and you've got somebody clever enough to find, you see that pass, and you're going to you're going to create, and you're going to you're, you're going to get your strikers in. It's amazing how well Rangers have done in Europe over the last two seasons, and, and I think the Gerard effect is definitely there from the experience he has. Uh, and then you've seen last season the inconsistency they had in in, in the league. Sometimes you always get, you know, they always say after a uh, the teams play on a Thursday night. Uh, the, the next game they play is always a, I don't know if it's going, going from Champions League and going for Europa League to back to the domestic but it's a mental thing with players you know Celtic had it for a while uh, and after the Champions League game and came going into play in the domestic league at the weekend and struggled for form but then again they've got to deal with it because you would rather have that you would rather be, you'd be playing in the Champions League or the, the Europa League or, uh, rather than missing out in these competitions 
because that's where the top players are, you know, I'd say come to the fore, and that's where you get, that's where they generate the finances for the club as well. Mm. No, you're absolutely right. Sorry, go on, I've, Dolph. I've actually played against Celtic when they've come off the back of the European, right. and, yeah. you know, for the opposite side of that, you think, we've got a chance. You know, we, they must be tired, they must, they must have a jet lag. It's not the case, you know. Yeah, yeah. You get there on the on the <laughs> on the Saturday afternoon or the or the nighttime game, and they're so fit now. Yeah, and they're so at, well yeah. looked after. Yeah. And the squad's that big; they can yeah. rotate as well without losing any quality. Yeah. I, I was talking about years ago. I'm not talking about Chris. He's right, Chris. He's right. They're fit and they've got bigger squads, and they they adapt and they're mentally more prepared. You, you do know that rationing's finished, don't you? Okay. Huh? Right. Just thought I'd point it out for you. Yeah. We're going to talk about Celtic, obviously, because the, the Cluj are visiting tonight. Uh, Cluj coming off the back of a victory against Lazio. But, uh, you know, as I pointed out earlier on to people, it isn't really the Lazio that we've come to know. They've lost six of the last seven European games. Um, so from that point of view, was it a big surprise Cluj beating them? Cluj are going to go to Celtic Park tonight, knowing they've been there before and banged in four. Yeah. Now... Celtic, I don't think, can be any worse than they were that night, Jerry, to be honest with you. And I don't see anything other than a Celtic win. No, defensive. Defensive. Yeah. I don't think they could be any worse. Yeah, that's what I mean. I was listening to Lenny, and Lenny's saying they're a different team now. They're more confident. You know, they're more together. Yeah, they've got more about them now. Well, the only way you're going to prove that is going to win the game tonight. But, hey, remaining champions. They're, they're not a bad side. And they did a lot of financial backing a few years ago, Clues, I think. And there was mm-hmm. somebody come in with big money. And they had a lot of top players, but I tell you what, they'll they'll be at Parkhead tonight, and they'll fancy their chances of getting something. They're not mugs. No, oh, absolutely not. You know, they're sitting top of the group just now, rightly so. Um, but you know, I'm the same. Tonight, I just can't see Celtic letting them letting them go. Uh, I don't. I don't see it. I think Celtic have got a point to prove, and I think they'll go all out to prove it. Yeah. I really do. I'm I, sure I, the Celtic fans after the last game. After beat with the up three two in ninety seventh minute, right. you beat four three. So right, I'm yeah. sure they will still have that stuck in the back of their mind. And tonight's a chance to go and put that to bed. Mm. Well, Lenny came in for a wee bit of stick for his substitutions and his. his well, he selection. started. He started Callum McGregor at left back, yeah, didn't he? That's right. Yeah. Well, that was all selling. And, 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 I, think and I mean, before they even goalies. kicked the ball, yeah. the the manager was under pressure. Yeah, that's when it came in. They did get a bit of criticism about it, uh, and. I'm sure not just the players have learned from it Lenny's probably learned from it as well so mm. I think I fancy Celtic tonight to that win the, the game that the team we've got yeah that's the team smash thanks dudes uh, let's have a look Foster Julian Brown Christie Edward Bolingoli Ilyanusi Elhamid uh, Iron McGregor Forrest mm, ok that's a strong team yeah is it the team you would have expected Jerry? I thought he'd have played in Cham I thought he'd have kept in Cham in there I think he's been hitting a bit of form, and uh, I seen the you know, like two goals he scored against Partey yep. uh, last week. Yep. I see when Cham's on his game. I don't think there's a better midfield player in the country. I know Ewan's staring at the back of me right now because I criticised in Cham. I criticised in Cham because of the frustration, the talent he was. I felt he was picking his games and he was going through a spell. And he was a liability. I, I agree with you. I, I never thought he was going to make it in Scottish football purely yeah. because the, 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 his pace, he wants to play at his pace, but he's changed. Whatever Neil Lennon said to him has done the trick or he's not got his move and he thought the only way I'm getting a move is to stay in the team. The only way I'm going to do that is to fight. Yeah. yeah, and you look at the look at the team. You know, even the squad, the, the bench, the, the guys that sit. Yeah, the bench I, I mean that's a strong team, and a strong bench. There's no getting away from that. That's a very strong. Squad. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, goal scorers Christie, who's been 
and fire. You know, he'll get goals, great running from the mid. I'd like, I'd like to see him more central, and I think maybe that's why they brought Elanusi in to play in the wide areas with Forrest on the one side, Elanusi on the other side, and Christie maybe running off, you know, from the, the middle three. He'll, he'll play, obviously, he'll play Brown and McGregor as the two sitting midfield players, and he'll go Forrest, probably Christie, Elanusi, and uh, your man up front, Edward. So, but goals in them all over the park but at the same time they have lost four goals against this team so and this team will come to Celtic Park believing they can win because they've done it before yeah oh, they will they'll have to keep the back door closed yeah. and I always say Celtic give you opportunities listen just going back to Rangers again very very quickly you know there's 45 minutes to go Game management is going to be crucial for them now being a goal up, especially as uh, Feyenoord and Porto are drawing nil-nil. So this is a really good opportunity for Rangers. I thought if they came back with a draw, it was a good result. If you go away in Europe and you can bring something back, then I think it's it's a good thing. Yeah. And then, you know, win your, your home games. But with Feyenoord and Porto nil-nil probably not going to stay like that but if it did if Rangers can see this out and maybe even add to the score uh, it would be a great result but game management is going to be crucial for them isn't it? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think you're like I'm sorry cause I, I, if you're the 60 Stephen Gerrard you know, four points out your first two games you'd have been delighted with that mm-hmm. so. I think this is where the Stephen Gerrard effect will will come to the, the fore because that's a, that's a difficult half time team to, maybe not difficult it's maybe an easy one well they're winning um, but now it's about the experience. Now it's about knowing how to see the game out. You don't have to go chasing it. Um, they now have to come and chase. You know, young boys have to come out and get get at Rangers. Rangers could almost sit in uh, and hit them the counter. I mean, that, pace well, it. that's a good point because we've already seen that they've got the pace and they can turn those two central defenders. So young boys have got to come out and try and get something out of this game. And it could expose them even more at the back, Jerry. Yeah, you're right. What Chris is saying that he says they're in the lead. They don't have to go chasing the game. The thing is, I think they've got that much self-belief now, uh, and Stephen has gave them that, that they fancy themselves to go and maybe get another goal here. But you're right, they'll not go gung-ho, but I think Rangers will think, well, we've, we've made a few chances in the first half, we've got in behind them, and I don't think Stephen Gerrard will want to change that. But the, the, the thing is, if you do sit back and you invite a lot of pressure on you, eventually, you know, this team will make, you'll get a couple of chances. So right now they're in a good position, whether they twist a... You know, a stick and out, I don't know, but I think Rangers will fancy say we get another goal. You know my feeling, my feeling is that, you know, if you keep other teams in their own half and you're challenging them, they can't hurt you from far up the field, you know, backwards. Um, I, 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 I hate it when teams sit in. You need to be a really good team and you need to have a team that can concentrate very well for 45 minutes yep. if you're going to try and just shut them out. You know, I think you've got to go and try and get that second goal I don't, and like you, I agree, you don't go gung-ho, but you, you make them know that there's a threat there oh, because that keeps them in between the devil and the deep blue sea. The problem you would have if Rangers sit back and the team's got a lot of possession, they'll end up getting free kicks around the big yeah. box and things yeah. like that in corners, and that's what they don't want to do. But as I said, the 1-0 up, and I feel the chances have made the first half, they feel that like this team's here for the taking, and they you know they might be going to try and get another goal here. Mm. I think one thing you can see is look how tight the lines are. Yeah. Yes. You know, whether they all move up, the defence move up, they're just they're, all the lines are in touch of each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is is a clear formation that, that, that they've been working on, um, which could be vital. Yeah. And the thing about Morelis, he'll go and work defenders. He'll Aye. not just stand Aye. up there. You know, he'll go and try and put the defenders under pressure. Yeah. 
and you've got Ojo on the other side of them. But and they look they look quite compact. They says they've got the goal. It, it's up to uh, young boys now to come out and try and get the you know try and get the equaliser. Absolutely. Listen, we'll take a break, boys, and we'll come back. We'll talk more football right after this. Have you picked up the Feel the Heat brochure from your local plum base? Get one today and take advantage of great offers, including Polypipe's Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket at £99.99. That's a 15% saving on purchasing individual pieces, and it's exclusive to plum base. The Polypipe Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket is just part of the Polypipe range available in the plum base Feel the Heat brochure. Shop online now at plumbase.co.uk or from your local branch. Motorpoint, we've put the super into car supermarket. We're here to save the day with a choice of over 7,000 low mileage, nearly new cars. Find your next car in a flash with our lightning fast service and same day drive away. Plus, with Motorpoint's price pledge, if you find the same car for less, we'll match the price and give you a £50 Amazon voucher. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today, just two minutes from junction three of the M74. T's and C's apply. See website for details. The list of things you need to do gets longer at this time of year, whether that's for the house or in your business. So take one thing off your list right now. Your septic tank could need emptied. Let Grant Henderson Tankers empty your septic tank in the home or work, farm, factory or workshop at very competitive rates. We are septic tank specialists, experienced, safe and dedicated to environmental safety with our own licensed disposal site. Find out more at wemovesh.it or call 01698 284 987. Grant Henderson Tankers, let the experts manage your waste. If you were persuaded by Lloyd's or the Halifax or any other bank to move your savings into a Stocks and Shares ISA or Unit Trust, which then ended up losing money, it's time to contact Goodwin Barrett. Text GOOD to 66777. Goodwin Barrett have already helped thousands of customers recover millions of pounds. Text GOOD to 66777 now. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint, and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. Love music. Live sport. Talking football. With Bill Young and Jerry McCabe on Rock Sport Radio. Okay, welcome back. We're talking football. We'll bring our next guest on in a moment. Let me just remind you that at the moment it is Young Boys nil, Rangers 1. Alfredo Morelos, the scorer. Young Boys, though, have just equalised. That's the commentator's curse. Uh, Rangers very lax. That was a ball that was put right across the front of the goal uh, for them to come in, and uh, it was an easy finish. I mean, it was he made no mistake with it, but it was an easy finish. But what a great ball! But I, I still think Rangers should have been defending that better. To be honest with you, KB, I don't know if you've seen it properly again I yet. Just actually, I just actually left in the sheets here, Bill, and. I'm going to see well, it again. Look, yeah, look, going to... Well, Rangers have got the ball here. They've given it away. Yeah, they've given it away. He's come in. He's tried to play inside. Yeah, and it's. But look, they've. They... <laughs> Was that an OG? Did it look like an OG or did the boy? No, no, the boy's got it. Uh, off his knee. Oh, he's just come off his yeah. knee. But there, you, but you see, yeah. they. they... <laughs> But they put themselves in poor, that's defending. Self, yeah, but it's self-inflicted, you know. He's, he's trying to cut inside with the ball. He's giving it away a bit. Steven Gerrard would be absolutely fuming with that. Yeah, I think that's the last thing you want is an individual error to... Because in, in Europe, you'll be punished yeah. almost instantly. And, yeah. and that's that's a prime example there. One individual error and, um, you know, it's back to all square. Absolutely in, in Domestic, they might have got away with that, you know. But uh, it was a great ball in. I think it was... A, 
was it Harland? He was um, he he nearly got it. I think it actually came off his his knee. I thought but... I thought it was Hollander that put it in when I, I saw it from the I've first angle. It, I've seen it. I think it's come but off. You, his thigh. It has. It's come off. The it, it, it's been deflected upwards and yeah. it's hit the boy rather than the I boy. Think the boy's put, put it in, in with the side of his shirt. Aye, I think he's put aye. in his calf probably. No, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, listen, let's move on to our second guest tonight. Ewan Boyle is the Morton Media Assistant. Uh, Ewan, first of all, thank you for being on with us tonight. But we we wanted to talk to you. Uh, because you, you know, I wanted to know why the club was on the move. Well, uh, I knew you were just going to ask that. I knew that was going to be the first thing. Um, that, to, to my knowledge, I couldn't give you a, a solid answer, but I'm sure um, on the website uh, that it changed on, they were in the wrong. So we were actually okay. We were. We, there was no issues with us. Um, so the one that they changed it to was the one that's always been, and it was just there. Well, so Company's House only <laughs> publish what's filed. This is this is now that you've got your new super efficient uh, chief exec there. I dare say. Fantastic. <laughs> yep. I mean, I, I, I don't want to blame anybody, but listen, the fingers are going to get pointed. It, it could be could be well towards him. I'm I'm fine with that. I thought I thought to myself when I saw it. I thought, change a postcode. This must be something to do with tax relief, or you know, two doors up's a tax haven, or something like that. But it's obviously not the case. I, I don't honestly. I, I don't know. I couldn't even give you an answer. That's the only thing I've, I've been told. So that's I, I, what you'll need to give over. I, I'd say one thing though. It's a media guy's dream. This wee story. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh, I, when when you told me on the phone, I was just it blew my mind. I couldn't even believe it. I'd heard nothing about it before now. So oh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. All right, let's talk about Morton because there has been a lot of change this season. Obviously, Davy McKinnon going in as chief exec, uh, Hoppy going in as manager. Um, what's the general feeling among fans and around the club in terms of how the season started, and uh, you know what the new look Morton look like, for want of a better expression? Hi, I mean, absolutely. I think for the for the start of the season, you know, that's just near enough a quarter into it. Um, we've been great at home and then not so great away. But listen, things are not going to happen overnight. I think this is what the, the fans are expecting. We've got a whole new staff in. We've got a chief exec. We've got new managing, new coaching staff. All this needs to come into play, and these things—it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, these these things we need to take time. We've got—I'd say that at home we're fantastic, absolutely great. Away, not so great, but listen, it's, again, it's not going to happen straight away. Once we get give them a chance to 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 implement what their philosophy is and implement implement what they want, these—you start to see these changes. We just need to give them time, and that's that's all. That's all that's needed. How you doing? You doing all right? Uh, Jeremy Cape here. How you doing? How you doing? Uh, just the only concern I would have, you know, Morton. I, I've, honestly, I, I think Morton are a right, great, a right good club. You know, I had a few mates that played a long time ago there, uh, and still, they still talk about all the good times they had when they the, the Andy Riches and all that. And I, I feel that they've had a couple of doings, haven't they? This year that was six 0 and I think they had yep. a five 0 one with it. I think that. Nil, yep. I think Hoppy, Hoppy, good manager, proven manager, he's uh, and he's got the experience here, and he'll know what he wants. But it's uh, it's I, I keep saying season after season that Morton will be up there. Morton will be in the playoffs. You know, I think they should be. You know, because well supported club, uh, good club, uh, great history. But I feel 
are they going to be, have they got their finances there to try and get up there? You know, obviously Dundee's and Dundee United have got the bigger budgets than that than now. It's, uh, it's a case of, look, try to get the right balance in and for Hoppy. But there are actually, you look at Lawrence Shanklin going going from here to Dundee United, and these guys can attract us, uh, the type of player. Do you think Morton would be in a position to try and, you know, get that sort of a quality of player in? It could make a difference for them. I, I mean, I, of course, it was, I mean, I watched Shanklin um, on Saturday when they played us, and the hat-trick was just unbelievable. And these guys are, are just class, absolutely class. But, I mean, you can talk about all these uh, uh, money and, and how much you, you throw at players and teams, but see if you've got the right coaching staff to make a team play well and to make a team go up. You can do it, and I think that's exactly what we've got. I think we we Hoppy and, and the rest of the coaching staff, that's exactly what, what we've got, but we just need to just give them time, that's it. We just need to stick by them. Yeah, I hope we do give him the time. You know, as I say, he's, he's a proven manager, you know, and he's had success, obviously, at Livingston. I think but Hoppy will be looking as well. He, he has to have some players coming through, you know, homegrown talent. And, and if they've got that, and they can buy them a bit of time with having some decent experienced players then, yeah, I mean, his plans, you say, is, it's, it's not a sprint. You know, then within maybe a couple of seasons, he could have that, that uh, sort of a team he's looking for, you know, and that squad of players. But I always feel... Uh, sometimes managers put under pressure when you see other clubs, you know, going out and buying the, the the better quality players, and they feel maybe you know they're not at that level and they can't do that, and that puts a wee bit of added pressure on them. I I mean certainly I, I, I go back to the old example with the job that uh, Hoppy done at Livingston. You know, that wasn't people think that just happened instantly. You know, he got relegated his first season. I think he was there maybe two years before their eyes happened. So I'm not saying I, I want to get relegated, absolutely not. But you've got to, he had the exact same, he was in the exact same position where I don't think he had the finest a, a transfer budget. But what he did was he moulded a team. Mm-hmm. He made it over a, a period of time. He moulded a team to to compete. And I mean, you look, I'm not just saying it because um, I, I work under him, but this guy has... has that Levy team was almost un. You couldn't beat them. They were unbeatable at times because of the way he'd set the team up. And if this is going to happen at Greenock Morton, then fantastic. No, you could beat them because they would have won the league if you couldn't beat them. Aye, <laughs> With aye, all sorry, due respect. Aye, aye, sorry, aye. Just, sorry, oh, you're obviously playing in, in the Championship and, and riding high with Air United at the minute. I mean, have you noticed any kind of. Difference in the the Morton team in terms of of you know their approach things like that or, or again like Ewan's just said it is early days and and it's going to take time for all of this to bed in but has there been any notice trans noticeable transformation and let's face it uh, you might have been at Capolo yourself yeah I mean for, for what I can see um, you know Hopping knows these leagues he, he knows how to get out of the championship and he knows all about the style of football that's required and I think you see that in his teams, you know, there's similarities there to the Livingston team that he built. He knows how to play football in this league. Um, I think the one thing that he'll probably be worried about is the, the kind of fluctuating <laughs> results, you know, they're either winning 4-0 or they're getting battered 6-0. Um, that, there's never a kind of 0-0, 1-0 mm. and that they're always in games. I think that'll maybe worry him a wee bit but, you know, I, I totally agree with you in that across the, the, the full season, I'm, I'm quite sure Hoppy will do a, a great job there. And, um, you know, it's not going to be instant. I think that's the way it is at most clubs. 
um, and he shouldn't really be under pressure uh, this early in the, in the season, especially sitting fifth position just now. He's, he's, he's still in touch with um, the playoffs uh, places, so um, I don't think there's much need for a crisis yet. Ewan, one of the things that I was going to say, uh, and that is that, you know, it is a great club with a great tradition and a great history. What's the expectation level of the fans? Because that's always one of the difficult things. And the media guys at the club can kind of whip things into a frenzy or they can help the manager keep people's feet on the ground. What's the expectation level of, of Morton fans in this initial season with Hoppy in charge? I mean, this is me talking as, as a fan just now. You know, it'd be great. Obviously, you want to stay in the championship, absolutely. To get the playoff, that'd be a, that'd be a Bruce bonus. That'd be fantastic. Um, but I think the fans are all on that kind of basis that they, they realise that Hoppy's not going to get his... Or certainly not that he's not going to get his, but they can understand that it, it's, it would be a challenge to get the playoffs um, as early as he has. Um, in his first season, but to stay in the championship just now is, is first and foremost, that, that's for us, um, and it'd be outstanding to get the playoffs, but you know, it's it's just what how how the players want it, you know, if they, if they if, as long as they can make sure that they've got the, the plan that Hobby's outlined, then there's nothing stopping them going for the playoffs or, 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 or higher than that, you know, as long as they've got the, the game plan there, they, they can, I'm sure they can do what they want. Jerry, should a club like Morton be setting their sights any less than the playoffs? No, definitely not. You know, I, I think, you know, they've got put up and just looking at Bob McShew, uh, we had Bob uh, Queen of the South, goal scorer, very good player, talented player. I know he see these injury problems, but I see he scored three and he's been uh, he's been involved in the, the assists this season. I, I think, you know, experienced players like that, uh, the Hoppy probably needs one or two more of them. I know we, uh, Chris Miller, that's here, and they have got a bit of experience here. But as a club at Morton, no, I think Morton should be looking to at least be in the playoffs. I definitely, you know, I know you uh, and saying, you know, it's, it'll be a, it's a working process, but for a club like Morton and the fan base have got to support, if you tried to, if you said to the fans, oh, be happy maybe just to stay in the league this year, I don't think they would be happy. I think that Morton have got to aim for the top four. Jules, would you agree? I think most teams in the division yeah. think they can, they can somehow make That's the a good playoffs. Point. You know, I, I know Arbroath and Alloa have come up, but Arbroath are pretty lofty in the league just now. Listen, you're never going to find it easy playing against the Burnet. Let's be honest with you. Dick Campbell has got so many promotions, especially at part-time teams. I don't think there's anybody with a better record. So they're going to be party poopers on more than one occasion this season. Absolutely, and I think that that's the way it feels in the Championship. You know, most most teams fancy their chances of making fourth. Um, obviously, more teams are a bit more realistic in terms of looking to, to get out-and-out out promotion. But, you know, most teams, I think, will be aiming to, to get into that fourth spot. Um, and, and I don't see why Morton, for instance, shouldn't aim to at least yeah. make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Did Fermelin this weekend, Ewan, um, you know, they've kind of had mixed fortunes. They've been up and down this season. Uh, what's your thoughts? Because the teams have had a kind of similar start to the, the, the year. Yep, I, I mean, obviously, we want to win. There's no doubt about it. They've got Greg Kielty, who was at us last year, um, who uh, I don't need to tell you how, how good he is. He's a, a, an outstanding player. But I think that we've got we've got the team there to win. You know, we've been magic at home. Um, we 
Partick when we come back on when we're on TV, we come back with an outstanding result. Dundee at home, um, I don't think anybody gave us a chance before that game, and we went out and won that. So I think you know as long as we keep up this home record and and this idea of building capital into a fortress, you know we could we could really be onto something. Yeah, and I was down at the game, the the party game. Party were two 0 up, and he's come back three two, and you and I'm looking him. At the time, I couldn't see he's coming back, but then the second half thing, you got to go and things, you know, it just shows you how quickly it can change. But that gives you a bit of belief. You know, you're capable. Yeah, you know, matching and uh, getting results against you know your parties and clubs like this, because I, I feel now that there's the only I think maybe Dundee United just look the strongest. They look as if they're the most strongest team in the league. I, I'm I'm not so Inverness. Uh, Chris will know more about Inverness, but I know that they're going good guns. But I think for Morton, Morton have got to be thinking, hey, wait a minute, you know, as Chrissy just said, you know, there are about eight clubs maybe think they could get in the top four. And I think Morton should be one of them because this is, it's been a long time since they've really made an impact. And I think that when we were talking earlier, uh, the SPL is where everybody wants to be. And I don't think the directors in any other club will think any differently. That's, that's where they want to be. Uh, apart from what I was saying about Alawa, maybe because part time and our growth. Uh, their remit will be to stay in the league but as Chris says probably they'll fancy their chances to get there and, and if you're in round about there round about uh, February, March who knows uh, but I'm sure the Morton fans will be you know really think that they could be in the top four this season No, I, sorry I, I mean I, absolutely I, I certainly think there's nothing stopping that's been in the top four but uh, you know especially with a new manager everything that happened last year you've got to consider all that like as a factor but again absolutely we should be hopefully going for the playoffs that should be the aim um, but again if we, if we stay in like, that's great I mean that's it's it's just how how we, we deal with it and I, I think that will show um, especially in the next couple of months I think it will start to come into play Alright give my regards or give all our regards to Hoppy and to Davey uh, thanks for coming on tonight Ewan and talking to us uh, and the good thing Thanks is that you you might get three points by default at the weekend if Dunfermline can he find your new ground Alright <laughs> thanks very much for that Cheers, <laughs> Cheers. 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 Bye bye Ewan Boyle there uh, Morton Media Assistant talking to us we're going to talk about Celtic more in a minute but Rangers for me at the minute guys are a bit under the cosh it's uh, one-way traffic, to be fair. And I think what Rangers have done is they've started to sit deeper since they've lost that goal in the hope that they can play this out for the draw. Uh, and you can understand them doing it, but at the same time, I still think Rangers can pose a threat to this team. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I think we've seen early doors that the, the pace and the power they've got going forward, they'll score goals against anybody. And I think that's the way the Rangers team will think. They only need one chance, but Morelos had a great chance earlier, and he, I don't know if he was clipped at the back post and he fell over. And he was claiming for a penalty, he wasn't he? Went he down for the penalty yeah. kick, but um, you know these kind of chances have have went a begging for them just now. But you know if they get one and it falls to Alex Morelos, it could be two one. Mm. Thing is, it's obviously the goals gave the young boys a lift here. Uh, yeah, they're, they're at home and they're, they're, they're fans. Oh, they been, smell blood at the minute, yeah, Jerry. There's you know, no the two fan, ways the about it. The fans will be pushing me to go and try and get a winner here. They've made another substitution here, but see, the problem they're going to go, they'll have now if they go a bit gung ho, then we just could catch them in a hole. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's one of those ones where it's kind of you don't know what to do. You're stuck between two areas. I, I don't like 
any of other teams going too deep uh, because I think it invites teams onto you and like you say, what you end up with is them getting free kicks in dangerous areas and things like that and there's a certain inevitability about it all. I still think that there is goals in Rangers and I still think that this middle two at the back can be turned and can, can be worked uh, but Rangers have got to get further up the park for me and, and, and be a bit more kind of lively up front. I don't think this is get, uh, Stephen Gerrard's game plan to sit back. You know, we've got the goal, sit back. But now they're in it now. Yeah. And okay, will we hang on for a point? I think he'll be urging his team to get forward and try and get up the up the park every opportunity. If they get a chance to get out from the back, it all starts from the back. Mm-hmm. The back have got to push the middle of middle of the park up. The middle of the park have got to be you know up around about the strikers. But well, that's the problem. If you're too deep, there's no out ball because the midfield's on top of the defence, so there's nowhere for it to go. Well, that's what you've got your strong defenders to get them up, push them up, when they get the opportunity to get them up the park. You know, and the more you squeeze the game, the difficult, the more difficult for the opposition to play play the ball in the middle of the park. But I think Rangers, you know, I don't think they're really sitting right back. You know, they're up the park a wee bit. You know, the two, Marielis and Ojo, are up in the opposition half. But it's as I say, if you invite them back, there's every chance you know you could lose another goal. Mm. No, absolutely. Listen, let's move on to Celtic because, as I say, they're up against Cluj, and we touched on them briefly. Um, I guess that Neil Lennon generally has got to be pleased with the performance of his team uh, thus far. Be disappointed, obviously, with the weekend result at mm-hmm. Easter Road, which was. Quite a bizarre game in a lot of ways. You know, it was difficult to make a judgment on anything because everybody was watching the referee who just let the ball get the game get away from him completely. I know you can't say anything on that fact, so I'm not going to ask you. But what's your thoughts, Jerry? Yeah, obviously we'd be disappointed. We only coming away from Easter Road with a point. Uh, they're talking about Celtic should never have the free kick in the first place to get the equaliser. I mean, if a fourth official can make a decision, why does a line not make a decision and help the referee out for the penalty kicks? That's yeah, a, a struggle. Oh, they're stonewall penalties. You can't yeah, get away from why, it. They're stonewall. Why does the linesman not get involved? Uh, you know, well, how many times do you see the referee blow before the linesman raises his yeah, flag? Yeah. Yep. Sometimes they just go along with the, the referee. They don't want to go against. Very seldom, unless they're getting you booked, they'll shoot you over for that. <laughs> but I felt Julian, uh, the, the header, he's, got, he's up. Head and shoulders right above, and he's, he's got to get, he's got to put it in target. Johnny you know, Hayes, uh, I've watched Johnny Hayes. Yeah, I, I've watched Hibs two or three times a season, and they've been very poor, very poor. But obviously, when Celtic and I know Rangers gave them a doing at Ibrox, but when Celtic and Rangers usually go to the Hibs or Hearts, it's usually always a difficult game. And, and I felt, you know, a few. I mean, I thought Scotty Allen played. I think he was trying his hard out. I think he was saying he settled well. Look. This is what you could have had here, but you know, I never get the opportunity. But I just felt, you know, Celtic had enough to go and win the game. But the penalty kicks can muck more about. They say it balances itself out over the season. I don't know if I haven't I don't said know if I that, Jerry. Celtic should have been down to ten men. Well, you're saying about the charm. Okay, he's lifted his hands, right? And Charlie Richmond every day of the week said it's a penalty. Right, uh, uh, he said there is no difference between that one and the one where Ryan Kent and Scott Brown, where Ryan Kent was sent off. Yeah. He's, same he's same prob- incident. Probably get a point, but I feel players it doesn't take much to get sent off now. And see all this, you know. I'd, for me, that's nothing. But later the law, he's lifted his hands. Okay, he should be off. But I think it's turned the game into a bit. You know, Dills, if that had been you and and you'd been sent off for that, would you have felt hard done by? Probably. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with Jerry saying. You know, about pushing. 
it's no two, it's not red, a, a straight red card, but on the other side of that, if you're a, if you're the opposition, you're screaming to, you to, to get him sent see, off. He, yeah. See, Charlie comes on with us every Tuesday, and Charlie yeah, made a very that. good point, and he yeah. said, if it wasn't a straight red card, that was two yellows, because he picks the ball up and barges the boy, and then he pushes yeah. him with the, the open hand on his throat. He says, so that would have been two yellow cards anyway. He, he left the referee, he gave, him a decision. he gave a decision against him. Yes, he could have sent him off, but for me... Uh, I wouldn't have liked. Uh, I'm not just saying this. I wouldn't like to have seen a, the opposition player getting sent off for that. No way. I think it's where the consistency. I think that's where the consistency is. You know, if, if it's <laughs> there's that magic word again. <laughs> I think that's the key. You know, if that's yeah. the letter of the law. Yeah. If Charlie's saying it, it's, it's two yellows. If, if that's the letter of the law, then it should have been two yellows and a red card. But you're saying that. Look at the way this whole handball thing's escalated again, where, you know, there's ones that are blatant handball that they're no blowing for, and there's ones that are obviously accidental, and you've not made yourself bigger, and it hits them in the, the hand, and it is literally ball a hand, and peep, all of a sudden you're in the spot. Yeah. And I think it can waste the game sometimes, yeah, you yeah. know, because you'll get clever players who'll just chip it up, <laughs> chip it up off your hand inside the box. So it's, it kind of makes it really, really difficult to probably to be a referee, um, and it makes their consistency even more yeah. um, difficult. But you know, I, I can see what Charlie's saying. If the letter of the law says it's two yellows, then. I mean, he said he would have given him a straight red, but he said if he hadn't got a straight red, it was two yellows. He says he picks the ball up and he barges the boy. He said, in fact, one of the other things he said was, did the the boy, what's his name, um, who was it? Uh, The Hibs player. He said he got a yellow. He was an innocent bystander. He said, so how do you just give Cham a yellow when the Hibs boy gets a yellow? <laughs> Maybe that There's was no the comparison. <laughs> Aye, just give the but they're on two yellows. <laughs> it's better even, I'll better even up here. See, the thing is, if they go at maybe the first yellow, I don't know where they've carried on that. You get the referee a decision to make, but I just feel the players are getting booked for nearly nothing now. Right. And getting back to the, the handball, I always feel, see if referees make it human error. I think it makes it better for a better game because yeah. if, you, if you've been given a decision against you, then you're up my arms a wee bit, you know, and you're... You know, Jerry, I've got to be honest with you. I have said for absolutely years that for me, refereeing errors are part of the game yeah. and a part of the game that fans love because the first thing you talk about when you get in the pub or you get back in the supporters' buses, did you see that? Yep. You know, so look... We're going to homogenise the game. It's going to become so sterile. It'll become a non-contact game at one yeah. point. Oh, of course. It's just right. absolutely crazy. Let's get back to playing football. It's a man's game. Let men play it. Yep. Do, you, do you think you're... I'm not saying they were thugs, but you think you're Davy Hayes and your Soonesies with the main way of playing the days again? <laughs> you know, you know, because they, they loved to the tackle, they loved getting in. Well, they could have played right. for the first 10 minutes, yeah. probably. Then they'd, be, then they'd be sitting in the bath, sent off, but... That's the way the game's going, and obviously Chris's experience it now, but still been involved in it. But it doesn't take a lot to a lot to be sent off. And the guy we're talking about is sitting at your club now, Kenny Brannigan. <laughs> Kenny had been sent down for half the season. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about Celtic more depth and and so far in Europe. And and again, they dropped from the the Champions League thanks to Cluj uh, into the Europa League but they're in the group stages now um, what's your thoughts European wise Chris of, of what we've seen of Celtic in the qualifiers uh, and the first group stage do you think that they're, they're looking fairly strong are they looking competent and confident 
I think tonight you'll probably see a very confident Celtic mm-hmm. team, um, especially with a bit between the their teeth about proving something at Cluj, and I think it can only go, it can go a long way to setting them on the road for a, a good journey in Europe. Um, but you know, I think tonight it's a big game for them. Um, I think coming off the back of the the last defeat, which still probably doesn't sit very well with the, the Celtic fans and the manager, I suppose yeah. they'll all have something to prove tonight. Um, and and I I do think Celtic will come out all guns blazing. Jerry. It can go two ways with the fans. The fans could be a wee bit subdued because they're unsure of what's going to happen on the back of what happened previously, or it can be one of those wild nights at Celtic Park. I guess it's up to the team in the first 20 minutes to dictate that mood. Yeah, I've got to get the fans behind them right away. You know, after the result range, and I thought Celtic thoroughly deserved it. You know? Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with well. you. So I think Lenny would be very disappointed if he had a... Uh, just an average performance of the team tonight. Okay, if it's a one 0 he'll take the he'll take the result. But I think he'll be looking for a performance to show that you know they're well capable. I think Celtic are where they are now in the Europa League, the Champions League. You know, I th- I think Celtic have just found it a bit difficult. Jerry. Uh, Rangers and Celtic are Europa yeah, League teams. I, I don't There's think, no getting away from it. Yeah. Both of them are Europa League teams. As much as I'd like to, you know, you still seen them in the Champions League and playing against your, you know, Barcelona's and things like that. But this is where Celtic are, and I think Lenny will want to prove that he's he's one of the better teams in this yeah. Europa League. Yeah, but I think it can be competitive in the yeah. Europa League. Whereas oh, the Champions League, yeah. it always seems just a step too far, you know, even financially. But you know, it just feels like it's a step too far yeah. for the, the Scottish clubs. But in Europa League. You know, we're always confident that the old firm can pull results out um, and go a long way. So um, I think that's the way it's going to be for the. What do you do though on a night like tonight? If you're Lenny, do you go and pummel them for twenty, twenty-five minutes and see how they stand up to it, or knowing what happened last time, are you just that wee bit more reserved in how you start the game? I think Celtic will want to play a tempo, high tempo, because I've always said when under Brendan Rodgers there was two Celtics. When they played at a high tempo, very few teams could live with them. But when they played that pedestrian football and touch all the way at the back, and the defenders get more touches than the midfield players and the flair players were hardly getting a touch of the ball, the striker wasn't hardly getting a touch of the ball, then, you know, you've seen a different Celtic. I think it's different with Lenny. Lenny will want to keep the pressure on him. He'll want to get the ball. He'll not just play the, you know, the passing game. If he feels he's got to put the ball up behind and get them turning, I think you know, that's the way Celtic will play tonight. But... They've got to play a tempo and keep the pressure on them uh, because these teams are good at keeping the ball as well. And if you give the ball away cheaply, these these teams can keep the ball off you for a spell. And when you do that, then you lose your momentum. If, if you've started the game well, then you start to get a bit sloppy. You lose the momentum in the game and it can quickly change. Jules? Yep, I think, you know, domestically, Celtic are happy to keep the ball 90% of the game and, and attack it well because they almost know that at one point they're going to break the teams down to score. I don't think they can do that in Europe. I think... From the first kickoff, they want to go and try and lay down a marker, mm-hmm. get that early goal, which you know sets Parkhead alight. You know, and it makes those fans make it really difficult for the away team. Then I, I can't see them just knocking the ball about at the back. Whereas yeah. domestically, they're happy to keep it in defence and almost choose when to go forward. Um, but I, you know, in Europe, I can definitely see them trying to lay down a marker tonight um, early on in the game. Yeah, I think the two things are right, Chris. I think. Lenny will be able to prove that he, he's, you know, back his words up here, we saying they're a different team, they're a better team in the world, they're more together, you know, they've learned since that, that last game. And whereas Kluge, you know, will probably want to ask some questions, they know they've came here and scored four goals 
and they'll say, well, they maybe they'll be confident. He maybe well, obviously coming to Parkhead and getting a result. But I think if Lenny, you know, he's the the way that the criticism he got from the Clues game and the, the team get the criticism and everything else. I don't think they want to have that happen again, but I think they want to prove that they're a much better side now than they were the last time Clues came to Parkhead. Okay, predictions you gave us one earlier on off here. Yeah, I did. Well, I'm going to go. Well, you're good at these European predictions. Uh, I've got to be honest. Well, well, I did say one each in this game. You want to stop the game now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would. <laughs> I'll go. I still think Celtic is suspect. I'm going to go three-one Celtic. I'll go two-one Celtic. Go. I'm going to go three nothing Celtic. Oh, well. I don't think they'll lose a goal. I hope the threes are right. <laughs> <laughs> They're certainly better defensively now than they were in that last. Yeah, game. the only the yeah. only thing is yeah. the only thing is, and I like the player. I've got to be honest with you, but I still think if a mistake's going to happen, it's coming from ball and goalie. But I like him. I like the way he gets forward. I like the way he runs. I like the way he takes men on. I like the way he whips the ball in. He gets back but he gets caught in possession on times that are too critical sometimes. That's taking a modern fullback now, isn't it? It is, it is. You're judged on how you go forward. You can't get get one that can defend and and deliver, and you can't get one that can deliver and defend. I don't know what you do. There's no Danny McGrain's or Sandy. There's not, sadly. There's not. The one who I fear he could give something. Aya. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Jerry came up with a very good thing. Jerry Collins came up with a very good uh, observation last night. He says Christopher Aya is a a midfield player. He says, and he defends like a midfield player. He said he doesn't think like a defender because he's not a natural defender. He's a natural midfield player. That's what he's played. He's just played in defence. Uh, for Celtic and so he thinks a different way and reacts in a different way to what a a, a proper defender would do and I think it's a good point That's an interesting way to think about it I've never really played against Ayer and and he went and won't from Celtic and I I think I played against him he played in midfield and then he also played at centre back at at that time I thought he was terrific you know and you could see that I could see him playing in Celtic's team um, but to, you know, there might be something in it. The but I, d- I didn't think about it. It was Jerry that brought yeah, it up. Yeah. He says, Christopher Ayer's a midfield player. That's where he plays. He said, in playing at centre-back, he defends like a midfielder. He's got a point. But uh, my problem with Ayer, I've always said when he runs from the back, and I know everybody, the fans, go on, you go on, you go on. I always say, if, uh, if he passed the ball five seconds earlier, then just get back to his defensive duties. I think you know he would look a better player, but he wants to keep going and keep going and keep going. To he's running That's a cold side midfielder part of him. Yeah, gives the ball away. Then he's got to have back, and you know he leaves everybody. He leaves a big gap, and and good teams will punish you for that. Whereas, you know, I think it was against Muddle he done it, and he went all the way up the park and he scored the goal. So you're saying yourself, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're a manager showing just pass it and get back. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know if he's mobile enough for the middle of the part. I know Jerry spoke about this, but I don't know if he's sharp turning because I feel balls up the side of him and round about him. I don't think he's the quickest at turning. Well, I, I really hadn't thought about it, but when Jerry kind of broke it down for me last night, I thought there's not much I can argue with here. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very, very good point. Yep. Have you, you got know. somebody in playing alongside him? You know, and it's a, it's a bit like forwards back bit, defending, yeah. and you see the, the the forwards tackle. You know exactly what's what's happened. And now that he's pointed it out, I kind of look back at Iron and I think that makes sense. Well, I don't. I, my 
doubts about that is is he mobile in the, in the middle of the park you know when you've got sharp players running about you playing one twos and that I think the problem you've got at the minute is that you've got a very mobile midfield in Celtic anyway that play with pace yeah. and can break with pace I don't think Ayer's got a lot of pace um, and you're right I just don't know he's got the mobility for that midfield I think he may be trying to take too many touches on the ball and try and run it whereas if you watch Bruni Bruni will get the ball and he'll try and give, he'll go, he'll give it to the McGregors and that. he'll give it to the guys that can go and play you know, and maybe a few years ago, maybe Bruni would, uh, you know, went in the wee run and have a shot at goal. But Bruni, there's nobody better than Bruni plays that, that position. I think he, he, he knows, right, I'm going to give it to the McGregor, I'm going to give it to the Chris, he'll give it to the Forest, and they go and create. And that, I think that's, you know, he uses his head there, you know, he's, he's clever that way. Whereas, I don't know if I would do that, I think I would start to want to go and do an amazing run. And... <laughs> I think if you're a manager, you'd be ripping your hair out. He'd be halfway down London Road <laughs> oh. before he decided to stop. You know, I agree, Scott, Scott Brown is massive for Celtic. Yeah. You know, the way they play, um, as you say, keeps it simple. But he's always in his position. You know, yeah. He gives the ball to the ball carriers. But he's he's never, right he's, he just gets himself into the position because yeah. so, they're organising. When we lose the ball, he's first back on it. Um, I think when he, when he wasn't there um, under Brendan Rodgers, he missed a, a big chunk. The, the the games, I think the best thing that happened to Callum McGregor was he took over that role. Yeah. And you know they dropped him from a, a very attacking role. They dropped him into the sitting midfield to cover for for the lack of Scott Brown being there. And now everybody was ranting and raving about how how good Callum McGregor was. There. Yeah. yeah. And, and now you've got the two of them. It, it's it's just a great midfielder. Listen, one of the other things he brought up last night, and I wanted to move on to it anyway for the final part of the programme, we were talking about the international squad, which was announced yesterday, of course, and, and Jerry said that he felt Ryan Jack should be put in the, the Scotland team. Uh, and, he, and I asked him directly why he made the points, why he thought Ryan Jack should go in the, the team. Uh, and I then asked him, could Ryan Jack adopt the, the, the role of the new Scott Brown for Scotland? So I'll ask you guys the same. I think yeah, he's that type of player, and he's got a lot of energy, Ryan Jack. Yeah, and if you if you play him in that sitting or that role, he's. I watched it was it Rangers. I was at a game last week. I'm trying to think. Oh, it was Ryan Jack and Stephen Davis who's sitting in that role, and I think he's learning that there. I know he likes to get involved and maybe get forward, but he's a type of player. He's full of energy. He can tackle and he'll pass the ball. You know, and he's he's come on leaps and bounces. He's went to Rangers. Arguably, he's been Rangers' most consistent player this season. Yep, and I think along with Morelos, probably one of their most relied upon. Yeah. Again, the way they want to play, the style of play that, that Gerard's got, you've got to have somebody in there who can take the ball off centre-halves and move it through the lines. Um, a bit like what Scott Brown does at Celtic. Well, could you see him as the, as, as a replacement for you know a, a, a replacement for Scott Brown in the national team deals? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think he's got all the attributes that, that Scott Brown has. Scott's obviously a, a wee bit more experienced in terms of he's been doing it longer, yeah. but... Looking, but you know, again, Ryan's got those years on his side, mm -hmm. um, which is is always going to be key in football and have an age on your side. Unfortunately, he's gone off injured tonight. Of course, I seen but him. I seen him down earlier. Did you see Greg Stewart scoring? It was chopped off. He was just offside. No, I missed that. Yeah. I missed that. Good when he just turned. He was only about maybe half a yard offside. It was a good mm. decision with the, the linesman. What's your general feeling? I, I mean, we had a, we had a conversation uh, the other night. 
and we started getting talks about oh these games are, are meaningless now because of this and that and the next thing and all the rest of it we're going to rely on the Nations League playoffs see as soon as we start saying things like that I start to think here we go again it's going to be another miserable close heartbreak and we, for me I think we've got to try and finish we're not going to qualify but we need to finish as high up this section as we can or at least get as good results as we can rather than just write these games off and then go into the, the game against, it could be anybody, but it could be Bulgaria for example, uh, and having watched them recently against England pff, I don't know that we would take our chances with Bulgaria. I don't think we're, we're good enough to write any games yeah. off, you know, yeah. I think we should no, I, agree. I think it's only right and you know for the the nation that the, the teams treat them as, as serious as any other game um, I don't think, you know, people are paying to come and watch they expect Everybody out there is trying their best. Um, I, I just don't think we can we can just write games off and say that one didn't matter. Um, I think you've got to treat every game with respect it deserves. I, I think we've got to give the nation a bit of hope that we're saying, hey, we're on the right we're on the right path here. We're players improving. We're getting up there. We you know the better the better nations and a great experience for the players. And the only way they're going to get better is going out there and being competitive in these games. No use getting just going through the motions saying right, okay, we're not going to qualify. So outside of that, you start to bring the young boys in, like your Billy Gilmers and that, and start to introduce them. And now, well, we've, we've not qualified in nineteen. Shanks is a good, a good yeah, example. Well, there you go, and he's earned it. You know, and it's good that he's looked down. And Stevie, uh, Stevie Clark's looked down and at the championship and said, "Right, well, we're not blessed with uh, strikers. We're not blessed in a lot of positions." But you know, if these guys, it just shows you if you go and have a bit of forum and and you catch your manager's eyes, who knows? You mean everybody wants to play for their country. Jerry, you only need to look at what... I mean, you can look at the squad and you can pick holes in it, uh, maybe defensively, certainly maybe at right back and things like that. Where, you know, O'Donnell's not... He's not really given what he's given at, at his club level. And I said to you when he was first included, I thought it was a good inclusion with Steve Clark, simply because, unlike Alec McLeish, Steve Clark had had him at Kelly. He knew the man, he knew the player, he knew how he played. I thought he'd get the best out of him, but I think we've still to see it. Uh, so you can pick holes all over the place, but the one place that I find myself <laughs> being apoplectic over all the time is our forwards, our strike force. I just think it's poor. I don't think there's good selection there. I don't think there's goals there. Uh, and if there's no goals there, you know, you're struggling to win games. Lon Shankland is scoring goals. Shug says, it's like managers. He says, if you want a manager, pick the manager that's hot. Go for the manager that's hot. It's the same with players. Go for the players that are hot. It doesn't matter whether he's in the championship or not. There's players that have been put into Scotland squads that have not even been getting regular first-team places at any level. Yeah, well, you look at Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland will select uh, players from maybe the first division down in England. Uh, you know, if the guys are on for him... Uh, if they're scoring uh, goals, why not? Plus, yeah, but it's not as if we've got uh, a mass amount of players to pick from. And if you've got to get players, you know, are on for him, why not give them the opportunity? The, uh, the thing I'm disappointed in now is uh, Griffiths. You know, I don't know what's happened with uh, Griffiths. He's come back into the fold and scored a goal, scored a couple of goals and back out. Because he's somebody, you know, we could be doing right now. You know, he's always good for goals. But... Unfortunately, he's not available to Scotland right now. And Lawrence Shanklin scoring the goals. Well, that's his effort. He scored goals. So, 
why not include them? It's just unfortunately that we're having to, we're having to get another two or three strikers that we can rely on, you know, for goal scoring. But that's that's where we are. That's uh, as simple as that. That's where we are. So we just need to go on with it. But the, the thing is, will we start to introduce younger boys if we feel that we're not going to be qualified? As I said, we're not qualified since 1998. I've said, I hope Steve Clark's here for the next three to five years. Well, I, I think it's a disaster if we start changing managers or thinking about changing managers yeah. again. I think it's been part of our problem. We don't... <laughs> I think one of the problems for me, and I've said this before on the programme, is I, I don't know what the plan is for Scottish football. And I don't mean just the national team. I mean for our game in Scotland. Nobody has said to me, this is the outcome we want and this is how we're going to get there. We had Mark Water here. He left and it changed then with Brian McClare. Brian McClare was there for about a week and a half. Yeah. And then Malky Mackay comes in. You know, and I don't know how much he's been changed, how much he's been chopped, how much he's been added. I, I, and I'm sure there's stuff going on and there's plenty of things that do. So you might know, but I don't know. And that's the worrying thing. I don't know what the plan is. There is nobody saying clearly, this is what we are doing. You hear Gareth Southgate talking and you hear other managers talking, Michael O'Neill even. And they can tell you exactly what their plan is for their team over the next period of time. I mean, I think it, we know that they're, they're trying hard. I think that's that's obvious behind the scenes that there's, there's probably loads going on. Um, you know, Project Brave was brought in with, with an aim of developing younger players to make the national team better. But that's a long-term view as well. So, you know, to, to chop and change the manager every single year, it, it kind of counteracts the the aim of the Project Brave, which yeah. is obviously a longer term thing, so I'd be the same. I would I would happy, happily see Steve Clark stay around for a, a number of years and, and watch how it, how his plan for, for the team um, is implemented. But would you agree that it would be right that we knew what his plan was? Yeah, of course. You know, it'd be great if... You know, I, d I don't think it's a plan just to say we're going to qualify or we want to qualify for the next... What a chance that was. Golson, what a chance. Oh, what a chance that was for Golson. Oh, he was offside. Um... But, you know, I don't think our our plan is we want to qualify for the next tournament. That's not a plan. Well, what we've got to start doing is producing better players, younger players. And that that's what it's all down to. Yeah. Uh, we had a conversation years ago and we said, that's young boys have just scored 2-1. 2-1. Yeah, I kept them up near, Bill. Yeah. 2-1. Uh, uh, we've got to start, clubs have got a duty now to start producing better players for the national manager. That's what it is, because obviously he's no control over the club players. And we've got a... He's got a... We're looking at a squad of players now and saying, right, who's the best available young boys coming through? But we need to have this, you know, continuous... We have to... I, I've said before, get way back to the coaching with the kids. I think kids are getting coached too much. Too young, let them go and play football. They're 12, 14. Let them learn the game. As You know, let them learn the mistakes. And But I feel... We've got a lot of talent. We're as good of kids, as I say, we've probably got as good of kids as any country in the world at an age group, 8, 10, whatever. But it's once, you know, they get into these coaching academies, I feel that they're the kids that haven't got a chance to express themselves. And they feel, uh, you always look at kids and you say, every kid when we played, everybody wanted to beat three and four men, you know. But then you learn, you learn to get the head up once you get a wee kick in there, you know, and you learn to pass the ball. But, Right now, kids have been told, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I've spoke to a few coaches that have been at academies and they feel they're very restricted 
and the way they've got to coach your kids now. Uh, well, I had Andy Goldie in the other week, who's the D- Director Academy at uh, Dundee United. Um, we were talking to Andy about what their philosophy were. Uh, was and he, he said first and foremost we've got to recognise individuals they've got to be treated as individuals but we've got to make sure they enjoy what they're doing he says and for the first wee while you know the younger ages it's about just having fun and enjoying being part of something yeah, of course and I agree with that see the problem you see I was telling you about my grandson who was down at Falkirk and, and half the problem was you've got the coaches who are, are decent coaches and they mean well and all the rest of it but these boys stand around when you end up playing five a side they've got that many people at these places half of them stand for half an hour watching other boys play now this time of year and getting into December and January you start to see the amount that are standing at the side get smaller and smaller and smaller because they think I'm not playing it's not fun I'm freezing cold even the under armour stuff's not keeping them keeping them warm so, you know, you can understand why they just get scunnered and go. And I think that's where, you know, young young players, very young players who are brought into um, youth academies at such a young age, that's the structure. It's very regimental for them. Sometimes that love of football just goes out the window. Yeah. And, and they, they just buckle under the pressure. You know, there's enough pressure in football at professional level. And as you get older, they don't need that at such a young age. Um, so I agree, you know... It's important to get them in, I understand that, and give them a bit of structure to their life. Well, but learn basics and things like that, Chris, but I, I feel, see the coaches, it's above them. These coaches are told this is the way we want them coached, but why can a coach not be an individual himself and just saying, well, this is what I believe in? I know the Bronies guy is saying, we want this, we want that, we want that, and I'm saying, well, uh, for me, uh, for coaches to get told coaches, this is how I want it, we can all learn the basics and that. But I think a coach is here to let them go and express herself, work on what they're good at, work on what their weaknesses and that. That's fine. Try and let, but let them go along as they're going along and try and learn the game and see what they come out. You know, let them make their own impression in the game for a while. Yeah. Then you can then you get and correct them. You say, well, we could do this better than that. I think that's what a coach has got to do. But sometimes it's like you're trying to build robots. You know, you're trying exactly to you're trying to give them all the information. Whereas sometimes, then as they get older, they'll expect somebody else to problem solve for them yeah. on the pitch because they've been so used to somebody else telling them the answers whereas at such a young age if, if they're kind of forced to almost solve the problem on the pitch they, they might make loads of mistakes look they will make loads of, of mistakes we know yeah. that but the whole point is as they get older those mistakes start getting less and less Yeah. and by the time they're at a, an age you know 16, 17, 18 they, they're making less and less mistakes and they're more ready to play first team football yeah I, I think it's all about getting as comfortable with the ball. I, I look at other nations, like even your Latvia's and that, you can look, and they all seem to be comfortable when the ball comes to them. They all want the ball and they'll get the ball and they'll look comfortable in the ball and they'll go and do something. We don't seem to have that. You know, I, I've watched games and, and I've heard the coaches at the side, as soon as the kids get the ball, pass it, pass it, and I'm saying, I'm going to take somebody on. I'm going to commit something. I'm going to create. Yep. I'm going, you know, but uh, you're right. It's a sort of a... Very regimental the way we want the kids to play. Yeah. You can't do this, you can't do that. How, are they, how are they going to learn? How are they going to learn yeah. when they don't make their own I mistakes? Think, I think the framework should be there in terms of you know a bit, a bit of yeah, structure. Yeah, you've got to have structure. Of course but, you've got to have you structure. Know, within that, you know, the individuals, let them be an individual. Let let them make hundreds of mistakes, thousands of mistakes, because there's no pressure yet. And by the time they get to an age where they are ready and physically developed to play first-team football, They'll have made so many mistakes that they've learned from. Mm. 
they're, they're ready now to play. The kids are getting told now, eight, ten year old, that they're not going to make it, they're not good at all. Yep. A, a piece of nonsense. You know, we're saying, let the kids play 14 year old, they say, he looks DC, he looks as if he's going to be a mid, mid, good midfield player, he's got a good tackle, he can see a pass, guy can go and take a winger. Then they start to find a position, they say, what, what are they good at? You know, what's the best position? Where do they feel comfortable in that? And you know, every, every kid's different, you know, they've all, you know, they're excelling something else. But I just feel, as you say, is we're turning them into robots. Do this, don't do this, you know, and they don't. They've never made their own mistakes. Yeah, they almost switch off a wee bit because they're so used to other people, coaches, for instance, giving them all the answers, telling yeah. them from the side exactly when to pass it, exactly when to shoot. It, it, on the pitch, it might look different. Yeah, the, the picture might look different. So allow them to experience every you know eventuality that can come up. They'll, they'll say football's different now, but uh, for me, you know, the principles, things like that are the same. We played at school, everybody wanted to run with the ball, everybody wanted to play, yeah, everyone did do a wee trick on the ball, things like that. But I don't think that happens now. You know, okay, yeah, learn the basics and the passing, the simple things and that, but let them make them be their own, you know, person on that part. Let them own, see what they can do at training, let them see how good they can be. You know whether they want to go and beat two and three men, you know, and do the tricks and do all the things, be comfortable with the ball. But I, I, I don't see that now, and I feel the the skill element's been taken taken away from from these kids at a young age. Yep. Sometimes that's where you have to. The, the parents have to be, you know, brought up to speed with it. Why? Why they're not being overcoached? Because sometimes the parents are so quick to jump in. You know, my boy needs to be doing this, this, and this. Why? Yeah. But they need to be taught. I they... wish we'd talked about this earlier on in the programme because that's a conversation I could talk to you about for <laughs> hours and hours and hours about kids being used as, as vehicles to make dreams come true for parents. And it must be a hell of a hard job for coaches to deal with parents yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. And it maybe looks to parents that co- coaches, some coaches aren't coaching them, aren't taking control of things, when really, you know, the coaches probably are in control of the sessions and yeah. they, but they, they're allowing like I said the, the young especially the young ones to, to run a wee bit riot at times and fall over the ball and miss kick it because you know what the next thing they might they might not miss yeah. kick it and they might just learn something in that one session if they learn one thing every time they come to play football then by the time they're 18 years old and physically ready to play they could be very very good listen yeah. better you better you miss it when you're 8 than miss it when you're in a cup final at 22 oh, I mean, coach. Yeah, yeah. The coach will have his training session all planned out, you know, or whoever it's coming from above saying this is what we're doing tonight, blah blah blah, and that's fine. And coaching the finer things, you know, how you open yourself up in the body, how you receive the ball, and things like that. But when they're actually playing in the possession and the games and that, let them go and you know be comfortable on the ball. Let them go and try to be dribbles and you know the wee, yeah, the wee flicks, the wee tricks, and all that. But at the same time, yeah, they'll know themselves or they made a state they'll get with them. So the next time, you know, you maybe hold the ball in better. Right, but then again, that's where you come in and you you, you, you talk to Matt, I think you could do this better, I think you could do that. But don't try and take the, you know, the individualism with them because for me, mm. I don't think there's enough in the game now. No, I agree. Uh, listen, I'm going to finish up for the, the last five minutes talking about something that you were going on about at the beginning of the show. Uh, Kieran Tierney starts for Arsenal tonight. There you go. 
So, uh, so how, how uh, by the way, 2 nothing it was to Feyenoord against Porto. Right. Uh, Rangers going down 2-1 against young boys in uh, in Switzerland. But I wanted to talk and get your views on this, both of you. Uh, Kieran Tierney starts for Arsenal tonight, but is withdrawn from the, the Scotland squad. Now, you know, the manager, does he make some kind of representation to Arsenal about this? Well, the problem the, the, that's we'll go down to manager against country again. Yeah, sorry, club versus country. And I always feel players should be available if they're ready. Arsenal are looking at it from a different point of view here. They're looking right. He's just back. He's been out a long time here, and that we can monitor him here. Do they trust the Scotland, you know, backroom staff? I know Stephen Gerrard had a go after the Ryan Jack come back injured. But at the end of the day, you know, it's your country. Why not have your best players available for you? And if he's, his fitness is getting up and it gets another couple of games under his belt, if he's playing in the game tonight, right, but he might be out for the league game on Saturday. So I, I don't know. If I was, as I say, if I was a national manager, I don't think I'd be too happy about it. Yeah, I think it's another example of the, the clubs are almost ruling national football as well at times because... The players are big assets. You know, Kieran's a massive asset at Arsenal. Spent a lot of money on him. That's how they, he'll be viewed. He'll be viewed as an asset of, of Arsenal, not an asset of the, the national team, not by the Arsenal coaches. Obviously, the rest of us, as mm. Scottish people, will, will see him as we all want him in the, the national team, but Arsenal will only look out for their own team. Well, let me ask you a straightforward question, both of you. I'll start with you, Chris. Is it worth having international football? Is it worth having national teams? Is it worth having national tournaments? I, I think so. You know, I think I, I would hate to think that clubs would would year after year hold players back. You know, I think that. But as players get more and more expensive and become bigger and bigger assets, are we going to see this happening more and more and more? And does it then just devalue the whole thing about about you know international football? Well, if you look at the two best players in the world, Messi and Ronaldo, they always turn up to their country. They always want to play for their country. They know there's nobody bigger than their country, you know. And I, I, maybe if Kieran Tierney was down there, maybe he'd been down there maybe six months, maybe a season, you know, a season, say, then maybe he would have had a wee saying, say, you know, I want to go and play in my country. Maybe he would have had a say. Maybe, I don't know. But maybe he's, he's not wanting to rock the boat. He's just down there and he's, he's settling in. He's bedding in. So just go with what the... The physios and what the sports scientists say down there. Initially, I had thought, you know, they withheld him because he'd been out for, I don't know how many, seven months or six mm. months, and he's only played half a game or whatever it is, yeah. 50 odd minutes. 70 minutes, yeah. Se- so maybe the last thing Arsenal want is him playing 90. You know, if it's like if he goes play for Scotland, he'd be one of the, the biggest players on the pitch. He'd be playing 90 minutes almost. Mm. Then he's running the risk of injury. So. I mean, it's it's a difficult a difficult one if you're the. But it's a wee bit it's a wee bit like the old, and I know it's no apples for apples, but it's a, a wee bit like the same thing about you know you're watching yourself and you're being careful, and then you go out and you get hit by a bus. You know, he can get injured playing yeah, for I don't Arsenal. Yeah, think, think that way. Yeah, yeah, he could get injured at training. He, he could, yeah, you know, he could get injured. Uh, we've heard the players getting injured, getting in and out of the bath at home. Well, maybe Arsenal don't want to put themselves in that situation, whereas if he goes there, then they become in, you know, a, a verbal fallout with, with Scotland. And <laughs> maybe Margaret. Scotland have said to them, look, keep them, because if he gets injured, we're paying his wages. Ah, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Arsenal are out then get the claim on his wages getting paid. I wouldn't like to be paying Kieran Tierney's wages these days. Yeah, well, 
That's that's the thing is. I like to be know, making these, them, but guys, I wouldn't like to be paying them. Well, you touched on it earlier. You know, they're massive wages. These guys and. Sometimes you know they've got a. It all revolves them. around money. Yeah, they're Again, it all goes back but, to money. But then, then we come back to the whole thing about is football really a sport anymore? <laughs> it's, it's definitely becoming a business. It's become showbiz in shorts. Yeah, and, you know, they, yeah, in a lot of places, you know, but they're still, they, you know, I like to look upon it that we've still got our principles in, in football. But as I said, I always say it's about money in England. Money will, ru- will ruin football in England and it will ruin football. I'll tell you something, I'll, I'll make a prediction here. There will be a financial implosion in English football because it's already started in the lower leagues and that'll creep up. I'm not saying it'll go to the Premier League because I think the Premier League is so insulated and protected as a private, as a different entity to the league and the FA but I do think there will be an implosion at some time, guys. How, how on earth people, you know, Pogba, what did they say Pogba for? hundred and... No, I don't know. 90, was it 90, 90 million? And Need to be quick, Jerry, I'm afraid. Yet, yeah, and he's not done much down there. Mm. And yet they can command 130 million for him, 140 yeah, million. How can, how can guys, go up? that's it. Thank you for your company tonight. See you next week. That's it for me. Back tomorrow with Hugh Burns and Paul Hegarty. Love music. Live sport. Talking football. With Bill Young and Jerry McCabe on Rock Sport Radio.